Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 24 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. How's it going, April? It is going great. Absolutely fabulous on this lovely Monday evening. Yes. I feel like it, because it's Monday, I feel like it's been forever since we've had an actual podcast. I know we had like the, the live stream thing last week, but it's been over a week since we recorded a podcast. This is true. This is true. And then considering like the week before that, we recorded like three podcasts in one week. So I know it's like we had overload of each other and then it was a desert. There's nothing. Yep. Yep. And, then was, <laughs> and then I was back to sitting all by myself in my snake room talking to myself. Yeah. But, I did that too yesterday. But, you know, it's all good. It's nice every now and then, especially with my new snake room, like just because of how roomy and like, I mean, I have everything in it. It's nice to just come in here and sit and hang out. Uh, I, yeah. think ba- I think back to like, you know, snake room probably 12, 13 years ago and how just crummy it was thinking how I, I didn't want to go in there and do anything. And that's kind of how I, why my collection suffered back then. And now that it's so much cleaner and that easier. to, sense. Yeah, it's so much easier and cleaner. It's cleaner to do stuff. And it's just so much better. Like it's fun to go into my room and clean a tub or two or whatever. And it's not so much of a chore. So, you know, what I found that was amazing. And I did this the last two weeks that I uh, did snake cleaning. Yeah. I, so when I feed or whatever, sometimes they flip a little like robot vacuum thing. And I just let that go in the snake room and it just cleans it all up for me and i don't have to do a damn thing it is oh so Wait, good have, i don't so know why a, i didn't think of it earlier because i've had that vacuum for a while so you have a roomba just roaming your room while you clean i do it afterwards oh okay but yeah and That's, sometimes it gets stuck on cords but apparently the way the racks are set up the cords are far enough up against the wall or they're not dragging on the floor that it doesn't get caught in it so i i don't even have to like pay attention to the thing it just goes and doesn't get stuck it's i mean i know happy. we've we've yes. mentioned before that you're bougie uh this fits there i think i that got you, it for christmas <laughs> <laughs> after you clean cages you're like oh jeeves go clean my snake room for me yes chop chop <laughs> <laughs> oh well speaking of my snake room and and talking about racks and having to clean everything uh, this is a good time to mention not only our co-host for the week, but, and the big announcement we kind of hinted at on the live stream, our first ever sponsor of the Reptile Gumbo podcast it is Robert Powers of Lone Star Reptile Racks. How's it going, Robert? It's going well. Uh, I've, let's see. I've known Robert, with, I don't know, it's been a couple of years since, like, from, from the ground up live chats, I think is probably where we first met. Yeah. Well, yeah, really cool. uh, I think the first time I ever heard you was on uh, Joe's podcast. Yeah, and then I met you in person at Conroe like a year ago, year and a half ago. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Time, time no longer exists anymore. I don't know how long anything has been. Nope. So, but that's a true I, story. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it is rough. But 
it's super exciting. In that time, you have started – you went from just owning some snakes and all this to you've started a company now. You make your own racks. So talk a little bit about that, and then I've got some questions and stuff for you. But I just want to kind of explain where you're coming from. Okay. I've, uh, I've been in construction for about uh, 12, 15 years now, and I started off as a cabinet builder. So naturally, you know, building snake racks and enclosures – uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty simple to me. So I've, I've been in management for a long time and I got laid off, uh, March 24th, 10 days after I turned 40 years old and decided, uh, decided that I was just going to do something different. Now was that, I started, was that driven by all the COVID stuff? Yeah, or? yeah absolutely. I work in a, my, my office was in Harris County, which is the County that Houston's in. Gotcha. So when they did the stay home, stay safe, uh, my office just we shut down and we did a uh, um, trade show exhibits was it kind of a specialty business so there are no trade shows right now so there is no trade show business mm-hmm. so I think they're running a skeleton crew there's still you know three or four people doing what they can but so I got laid off and uh, I came home and immediately I spent a day or two just kind of thinking about it and decided to put some money into it and started building rat racks and built that up to where I built, I don't know, 40 or so of them in, in April and built a few snake racks in that time. And now I'm well over a hundred orders um, and doing the herp shows as well. So you start with the rat racks. Those would have been, I assume just wooden rat racks. Correct. And then did you build wooden reptile racks starting or did you start straight with the, you know, the, the black PVC racks? I jumped right into PVC, the expensive stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. smart though. Well, I, you know, I, I called around and we used PVC in my job. So I knew some of the vendors already. Mm. So I called around and kind of pitched them again, against one another to get the best price. And, uh, I got a pretty good price on my PVC and, you know, I started looking into exactly which screws I was going to use exactly which heat tape, heat tape I wanted to use, um, everything so that I could, you know, build my costs and, uh, went from there and you know from what everyone's telling me i have great prices and my turnaround time has been really good i've I've been in that 10 day window for a while but right now i've had to move it up to 15 because the supply chain is crazy uh just getting heat tape right now is is nearly impossible i'm having to order it and pay for overnight shipping and hope i get it in three or four days wow and when you order heat tape you're not ordering a roll of heat tape you're ordering how much at a time um i usually order 500 feet. Yeah, that's a lot of heat tape. 1,000 feet. Uh, I'm getting ready to order a 1,000-foot roll. Um, I use THG heat tape. Uh, I like it a little better. It's it, it just easier for me to work with, and, and I can actually get it right now. Um, the only downside is it's not made in the USA, so if I ever decide I want to ship internationally, I have to switch to something that's made in the U.S. because you can't ship to Canada or Mexico anything that's not made in the U.S. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll cross that bridge if I ever come to it. I don't, I don't know that I ever will, but, um, so I've had to, like I said, I've had to go to 15 days right now, 15 business days for one, preparing for this show that I'm, we're leaving for Thursday in uh, Pueblo, Colorado. We're going to drive 14 hours, but you know, I'm, I'm taking 20 racks to that show. I so, did. I did see a recent update. Have you seen a recent update on the the laws and everything for how that's going? No, I haven't. So I did see Herps posted uh, 
the state of Colorado is hoping to go to, I guess, their phase three, and they decided to stay back at phase two, which is actually what Louisiana is doing right now, and uh, which means that they can only have, I think, 300 people at a time in the show. Uh, and they're also moving it. They're moving it to, to. They're having to move it into two rooms that they can split with a door. So it, I forget how. But anyways, it's the show's still going on, and anybody that's in the area should definitely go to the Herp Show in Pueblo, Colorado, because Herp shows are amazing in general. And Robert's going to be there, and hurry up because he's going to be sold out of racks probably by like midday Saturday. So I am the only rack vendor that'll be at the show, from what I understand. You sold out the last show you did too, right? I did. I sold out about uh, midday on Sunday. Are you going to be at the Memphis show? That's going to be I in March. Oh, yeah. Okay. I that probably is, have people that's going to buy cages from you. It's actually on my birthday ones. too. Ooh, we're going to go out and celebrate. We'll go Beale street. We are going to, <laughs> we're doing new Orleans the weekend before that. So I'll get to see James the I'll weekend be there. before that. And then we're going to just make a whole week of it. Instead of driving all the way back to Houston, we're just going to take that whole week and spend a couple extra days in New Orleans and then drive up to Memphis and spend a few days uh, before the show. That'll be fun. Yeah. Were you able to get in? Were you able to get in for the next Conroe? No, no. There's like 18 or 19 people ahead of me on the waiting list. Yeah. Conroe, it's hard. You got to sign up a year in advance easy and like right away because it fills up fast yeah. but you get on the list because people look people pull out all the time things come up and you can definitely get moved up into a spot by the time well, that show gets here well that's what Lori told me they had quite a few cancellations just before this last conroe show it, it so. was crazy yeah so i may i may still get in be nice. know, it would be nice we had a ton of cancellations but i sold 16 snakes at that show that was a heck of a show uh-huh and, and a it, lot of money at that show. And it never felt nearly as slammed as like some of the past Conros. And it was still a pretty good show for everybody. Um, anyone well, that's I, never been, been to a Conroe show has got to go to the Conroe Herp show. Yeah, there's Wait. nothing like it. Is the next one and the next one's the end of the year, isn't it? It's in September. Yeah. Because I've got September New Orleans. And then the week right after that is September Conroe. So I remember you I'll telling me that September I need to go New to Conroe. Also. I'll be there. Yay. Yay for shows. I'm glad that the shows are still happening. I am. Um, And it's tricky though. Cause also, I mean, I live in a state where we're now like third per capita in cases. We were second at one point and got down to like 10th. Yay. And now we're back up to third again. So like, it's a double edged sword. Like I'm super happy there's shows and I'm going to go to them. Cause I got baby snakes. I got to sell. Plus I just, I've got to be around people like <laughs> reptile people. So I've got to go to these shows. But, I mean, it's definitely a risk, you know. We we question whether we want to take our daughter to some of these shows. Sure. You know? um, but, you know, where we wear masks, we stay behind the table. I, You know, if you want hand sanitizer, a reptile show is the place to be. Trust me, there's yeah. sanitizer yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Sean um, actually wants everyone to have it on their table, so yes. it's yeah, everywhere. Did you uh, see that someone posted mm. that they were disinfecting their snakes? That's that's weird. <laughs> I mean, you could just do like chlorhexidine or something and wipe them down. But I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so one I mean, I- okay, but all right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Silly. That's, that seems weird. One thing I have uh, found out, realized during this whole process is that Purell is really great at making hand sanitizer and everybody else sucks big ones. Why? Yes. What's the difference? So, so one, Purell uses isopropyl alcohol base. So it dries fast. Well, and it's also apparently not hazardous. There was a new mm-hmm. study that came out that uh, the ethyl and methyl based one, uh, ones 
can cause issues. You can absorb into the skin and cause an issue. And if you, if anybody out there is buying hand sanitizer anywhere that doesn't say that it's not like Purell brand and they all of a sudden showed up and it doesn't ever have a brand name, you know, check the active ingredient. I can almost guarantee you hundred percent that it says ethyl alcohol on it. Um, and cause that's pretty much what you can find everywhere because I mean, you can't find Purell anywhere. Yeah. All of these, uh, all these, um, People that make alcohol that have switched now to making hand sanitizer. Theirs is the 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 kind you're talking about. Yeah, and it's because we we bought a handful of them because we saw them they were available. We knew school was going to be opening at some point. We're like, hey, that way we'll have some in our classrooms. And I bought some for my snake room. And then I saw the study that they put out, and I was like, let me go look. And yeah, every one we bought is is ethyl alcohol, not <laughs> isopropyl alcohol. It's like, oh, great. So those are all wasted. Yep, to the trash you go. Yeah, I think I have a bunch of them. Yeah. It sucks, but uh, yeah, Germex and uh, Purell, those guys have, know what they're doing. Uh, everybody else sucks. I mean, I appreciate the help that everybody's like, hey, let's try and put out hand sanitizer. Uh, but yeah, it apparently it did not go the way it should have. I got my hair done yesterday, and she had like this hand sanitizer and a spray. And I just, I, I thought to myself, I, I can't imagine that that is really working very well, but if it makes you feel better. Well, in a spray, the spray ones are usually like, well, I don't know now, but they used to be like, they're, they're very high, like alcohol. It's basically spraying alcohol on you. It seemed very water-based because she put it on my hands and it didn't, it didn't seem alcohol-based. Oh, see, I've, I've had some that were very alcohol-based and they dry quickly. Um, and I use them in a pinch, but I'm staring at now. I bought, um, either one of y'all have ever been to Ollie's? Aldi, Ollie's, like it's like nope. big lots. No. It's like big lots, but a little bit better actually. I'm yeah. a little bit too bougie for that. You are too bougie. That's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, it's not Target. I know, but uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 a like a a rum bottle or what? It was an alcohol bottle, but it's a big bottle. It says hand sanitizer. It's a whiskey company. That's what it was. A whiskey company put it out. And I don't plan on using it. It's just funny to have a bottle that was from a whiskey company that says hand sanitizer on it. So, that is pretty cool though but this whole thing's been weird but anyways back to racks because we were talking about racks and then we got sidetracked by hand sanitizer <laughs> uh so your your company is fairly young it's, i mean you yes. started back in march march april um what are some of the big we'll do positives in a second but what are some of the big negatives that you've run into some of the things some of the hurdles you've run into in this process of going from making you know your own racks to now having to produce them for people uh, there's no such thing as a day off, which I've owned my own construction company before. So I understand that, uh, you know, I have custom, a lot of customers on the West coast. So it's midnight here when they're settling in and they want to start talking and asking questions. So it's not unusual for me to be up till one or two in the morning, uh, conversing with three or four different customers. So, you know, then I get up in the next morning to get started to work and I'm tired because I was up all night. Um, supply chain, especially with COVID supply chain has been a big one. Just yeah. Acrylic and a tablet manager. Like a cr- I, know, manager. I know acrylic right now is nearly impossible to, for anybody to buy there. The, my supplier is finally starting to get it back in stock. Um, I actually was just there. I just went there at four o'clock to pick up a bunch of uh, PVC. So, and I asked her about that because I'm going to start the next phase two is, is enclosures. Um, so I asked her about acrylic and she said, I can pretty much do anything you want. Now I have it. That's good. Uh, yeah. I, I can only imagine like these cage, although probably no one probably noticed a difference with some of the cage manufacturers because their lead time was still going to be a year before they ever got it. So 
Right. They, they, no one noticed they weren't getting it on time. Right. Uh, I'm not naming any names except for the one place that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, but, okay, so what about, like, I, you know, I've, I've made racks and cages, never out of PVC, but I've made, you know, I used to make cages for myself. And, and if you mess up something, you're like, whatever, screw it. You'll, you'll make it work, right? Mm-hmm. But now when you're selling something to people, it's a completely different thing. And so quality control becomes a, a huger issue. Absolutely. I am, I learned a long time ago in business that you, especially in a service or in a business like this, that you have to put out the best product that there is. And I am, I had a mentor who told me to worry about the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. So I am super, super anal about every little detail. Like what happened with your rack, James? I lost sleep over that. Because yeah. that's one of those things that I never would have fo- foreseen because I don't have tiny little worms like you do. <laughs> well, and, so, uh, so I didn't explain, let me explain what happened there. Cause I didn't want to just throw it out there, but it was, it was, uh, my, my rack is definitely, you're not making a ton of racks for Sambo. I imagine most of the people you're making a rack for is ball pythons. I mean, that's every rack. 90% person, of them probably. Yeah. Yeah. Every rack person is making for ball pythons. And so, yeah, I got Sambo is, and anybody that owns a rack, you know, you snake the, the heat tape through the back from one shelf to the other. So there's a slit in each shelf that allows the heat tape to slip down. Well, it's usually not an issue, but when the tub slides in and a little bit of that opening covers over top of the open part of the tub, the snake can then move up to the next shelf, which I have, I found out that one time and I has not happened since, but, um, but that was a simple thing. I told you it happened. And, and now, you know, and I mean, it, I don't see it as a problem. I mean, it's not been a problem for anybody else and you're going to fix You said you would fix it and it's great yeah. customer service. I cannot complain. Um, I'm one of those people that probably talk to you about like one in the morning. Cause I'm just up at one in the morning at this That's point. Okay. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I love the rack. Like I'm super excited. I plan on getting two more from you and uh, I got to find room in my snake room for more racks. Cause I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to need like two more next year. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I know, I know it's going to be weird. Uh, because I'm a big, your name is the only thing you have. Right. Right. And, and it takes forever to build your name up and it's very easy to ruin your name. Yes, it is. Um, and if you just, if you ruin that trust with one person, it just spreads like wildfire. So it's like, especially in our industry, like if, if something goes wrong, you have to go like over and beyond yes. to make it up for someone. Otherwise you're going to be tarnished. And well, like with James, I'm building him an entire new rack and we're going to swap it out because I don't want to ever take a chance of one of his snakes getting out again. And I'll just keep that one for myself and use it for his James's favorite snakes. When I have babies. <laughs> exactly. And, and, my, get out of there. and my wife appreciates you not wanting any of my snakes to get out. I'm sure she does. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but That's uh, funny. so what are some of the positives? So those are some of the negatives. What are some of the positives you, since you've started basically your own business, what have you really enjoyed the most? Uh, you know, obviously running your own business, you like the freedom. Uh, I enjoy, I always say I enjoy eating what I kill because it's, uh, I've either got to go out and hustle and make money or we don't eat and we don't have anywhere to live. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy talking to people. I've made what I've considered a lot of new friends all over the country. Um, I've shipped racks all over the country now. I just shipped out four last Saturday, two to Illinois, one to right here in Texas and one to Florida. And these are customers, you know, that I talk to almost daily, some of them. I did have a, a my, the CNC shop that I use, um, two of their employees contracted COVID. So they ended up shutting down for an entire week with all my material there. 
And uh, so they could sanitize and get all their employees tested. So that pushed me back a week on orders. Well, you know, luckily I was able to get caught back up now because that would have impacted this the show we have and everything after that. Uh, so that's been, that's been great. You know, all my customers have been great. Um, probably more than anything. I just, I really enjoy, enjoy the freedom and knowing that my work is benefiting me. It's, I used to always say, when you work for somebody else, all you're doing is making someone else rich. Yeah. Yep, making someone else's dream come true. That's right. That's right. I'll, I'm never going to get rich building racks, but if I can make a living for my family, I don't feel like I go to work. I come in every night physically exhausted, but I'm not mentally exhausted like I was when I was sitting in an office. I can definitely understand that. So, and you're also kind of like the perfect, I really think Texas right now because of Sean and Lori at Herps is a great location for you because oh, yeah. there's so many shows available to you throughout the year and you can easily sell out at each show. I mean, they, they are very busy shows. Yes. I, I, I am feel tremendously blessed to know Sean and Lori and to be able to do their shows with them. The minute, you know, you, you do their shows, James, Yeah. you know, the minute you walk in they make you feel like family. Oh yeah. And, I love them. And uh, you know, they have the dinner after the show on Saturday, which was a great time. I've made some pretty good friends as f- some in some other vendors already. Um, you know, one of them I talk to almost every day now and yeah, uh, yeah well, I'm kind of in a perfect situation. I'm in the third largest city in the nation. There's a huge reptile community just in Houston and uh, I'm kind of in the middle of the country. So when it comes to shipping, I'm only two days each way. That's nice. Yes. Well, and like you sold out at what is basically one of their slowest shows. Correct. So that, that's the part that's amazing to me because you told me so you sold out. I was like, man, that's usually a fairly slow show. Not a bad show. Just not, you know, if you compare it to like Conroe, it's nowhere close. And some of the other, oh, no. like, sli- like uh, when you got to do the Slidell show, that show is insanely busy also. Yeah, I, th- I signed up for it. I think I'm two or three on the waiting list. Uh, Lori said that I should be able to get in on that one. Um, but you're right. The, the dinners on Saturdays are a blast and then hanging out with everybody until like two or three in the morning on Saturday yeah. night is a blast. Yeah. I'm looking and, forward to Colorado. Yeah. And then, and then everybody trying to be awake and at the show on Sunday is always fun. <laughs> yeah. There's like, so many people came sliding in at like five minutes before opening on Sunday morning. There's been many that have slid in and gone to sleep behind a table on <laughs> Sunday morning. So yeah, but, and now, April gets to join them because they're moving to Memphis. I know. I'm so excited because the other show we have is a Repticon show and nothing against Repticon. I'm not like trashing Repticon, but it is not um, like just the, the vendors that are there and the variety that is not there. Um, It it doesn't make it for the best show ever. Yeah. Cause April, you got to vend the new Orleans herp show with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you, and you did really well at that shit. I mean, you did better than I did by far, but I also didn't have any, I didn't have any animals. You sold a ton though. Yeah. Apparently people like geckos and they like blood pythons. So I guess yeah. I'm, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> I probably get a message a week asking if I sell blood pythons. Really? Well, bring them my way. <laughs> I, 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 I need to. Yeah. I forgot you have babies. I, I, yeah. I uh, have uh, a blood python clutch that should be hatching in the next two days, but mine always go late. So we'll say the next 14 days. Uh, and then another one scheduled another week after that. So it's looking good. I'm excited. Awesome. So with racks, 
so my collection is all PVC cages, PVC racks, and and then and other until I you started yours and I got a rack from you, it's all been one other company is where I got all my racks from, and and they're a big company. I'm, I'm not afraid mm-hmm. to say they're Sea Serpents, and I love Sea Serpents. Great and company. They, I have Sea Serpents racks in my sneaker room. Yeah. To me, I feel like he is the standard when it comes to the PVC racks. He's doing great. But the great thing about our hobby is that there's enough room for your business to also do well. And then also, April, you just ordered a new rack, right? Yeah, I ordered from ARS. And so, but at that point, you're not, you're, Robert, you're not really competing with someone who's ordering from ARS or from Freedom Breeder. That's a completely different world from someone ordering PVC racks. I don't even... I don't even market to those people because there's, there's no point. There's a, I have a, a certain demographic that I market to, but you're, you know, you're big breeders that have roomfuls of, of ARS and freedom breeder racks. There's no point in me even marketing to those people. Or, I mean, I just do the ARS um, because they have the tub size that I like and I like the, the metal rack for the adults. Uh, but my babies and my, my sub adults, they get, you know, regular PVC racks. So I go to you for that. I like the, the ARS racks are nice. I always wished I had one of like the big boa ones, like the four foot boa racks with the, you know, freedom breeder was the first one to kind of do them, but ARS did them too. But then now that I have everything in, in four foot cages, I kind of like cage stacks, I think better than I would like the drawer system. Like I like, I like vision tubs. I like plastic tubs. Those, those bigger four foot tubs that they use in those racks uh, just always seem like they, they get brittle with age. Yeah, and those tubs cost almost as much as the cage does, just for the tub. Yeah, yeah. they're really expensive. <laughs> it's it's not cheap. No. Nope. So, but anywho, I, I uh, like I said, you are a new sponsor, and we greatly appreciate it. It's awesome, and I also I just I'm super glad that I was able to like I'll hook up with you and do this. Um, and then you're gonna be doing all the shows, so I'll get to see you at all these shows now, which is gonna yeah. be great. I'm super excited. You'll you'll have a blast. It's. I wish I could do more shows, but I, I, I'm thinking now, it, as well as the Conroe show, I don't know how many snakes I'll have by the end of the year. So I don't really know what snakes I'll have to sell come January. But Oh, darn. What a problem to have. It's only a problem when I'm like, I want to go to this show and hang out, and I need to sell babies to pay for the weekend. Uh, well, you just sell them ahead of time and don't spend it all. You can come help me sell snake wrecks. That's true. See? I'll sell snake. Yeah, but see, you say don't spend all the money. If I sell babies, I'm going to go buy more babies. That's the problem. <laughs> so I won't have the money to save up for two months down the road for a herb show. Uh, I will have already bought either a new rack, although I need to buy, I'm officially need to buy another thermostat. I've tapped out all my herb stats, so I'm going to have to buy another thermostat. So I really need to sell some babies because if I buy another one, I want to get another uh, herb stat six and feel special again. If I get another incubator, I'm going to have to get another one. But I don't think I'm going to need another incubator until 2022. Should have some incubators on the market by then, April. All right. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> there you go. So I need a four foot tall by two by two, please. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I've, got, I've got one that I built that I'm testing. Um, awesome. I want to give it a few months to just see how it does before I finalize it. Because it's, it's rough, right? It just looks rough. But you know, I, got, I got some finish work I want to do to it. Are you doing like the computer fan and the LED lights and all yeah. that? Yeah. Nice. False wall with foam insulation. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, the issue I'm finding with mine um, is that the seal on the door leaks condensation. Hmm. And so is I it, have to put like a trap down on the, the floor so it doesn't mess up 
my floors more than they're already messed up. <laughs> does your door lock or does it just close? It locks. Yeah. Okay. It has like the latches on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So if that doesn't have that problem, you're going to be a step ahead of the game unless yeah, the, it's just mine. <laughs> the other thing I've, I'm working on is a, I get asked for them all the time and nobody builds them as a euthanasia chamber for rodents. Oh yeah. People do them all the time. So I'm building a really nice looking one out of PVC and it'll have the gauges and everything. All you have to do is get your own bottle. Oh, that's awesome. So have you thought about, I saw something pop up on a, on a Facebook uh, post this week. People want to see the people's racks and how they lock them. Mine don't lock. I do use the screen clips uh, to help keep the tubs from sliding back out. But have you thought about doing some sort of locking rack for anybody that keeps hot since you tend, you're going to start doing a lot of hot shows because a lot of the herp shows, our hot shows. Yeah. Um, so I've sold some to some hot guys. Um, there's a guy here in Houston that he's, he has a lot of, uh, a lot of little baby hots right now. And I made him a couple of hatchling racks and I just put the, the latches like you use. I ordered some of those and put them on there, which he said was fine, but he's also got hundreds of snakes and he's very confident. Yeah. So no, I haven't really thought ahead of that. Um, generally, honestly, if someone's only buying one or two, I'm going to refer them over to Joe at Venom Proof Cages. Yeah, those and cages are awesome. Those things are awesome, man. He's got a great product. He's um, out of Wisconsin, but uh, he yes. comes down and does the Herp shows, and they have a built-in shift. If anybody hadn't seen the Venom Proof Cages, they have a built-in mm. shift box inside the cage, and there's about 40 doors on the outside of this cage <laughs> so that you can do whatever you've got to to feed, shift, clean, and never – come in contact with a snake i know people are like why wouldn't come in contact if it's a venomous snake the best thing to do is just never come in contact with it yeah you other than putting it in there or taking it out to take it for you know to the vet and he said he's even got customers who are like i'm just gonna load the whole thing up in the car and take the whole thing to the vet well yeah because <laughs> <page, laughs> that's smart <laughs> you're, you know you can close the the shift box throw a rat in there open the shift box it goes in to eat close it clean the whole cage safely and then let the snake back out at no point were you ever in danger of getting bit? And when you close the shift box, it actually has a spot that you can put a padlock on it so that it's lockout tag out, like, like yeah. on a piece of equipment. Yeah. Those I've, I've watched, he started that not that long ago and he started doing the herp shows to come and I'll drive all the way down from Wisconsin, but it works great. Cause there's a lot of the herp shows are hot. And uh, my wife has seen those cages and she's always been like, you're never getting a venomous snake, but she's seen them and she's starting to soften. Now that she goes, Mine too. she's like, I, I could do that if that was the cage you put it in. So, those are yep, great. Mine's the exact same thing. <laughs> but so, anyways, let's get on. We we've talked enough. Well, I say we talked enough about racks. I'm sure we'll bring it up again. But let's jump to our question this week from the Facebook page. Well, I say this week. I feel like it was put up there a month ago. Uh, what is the largest change in the hobby that you would like to see? And we had a lot of replies on this one. Um, There's one that I voted as my favorite, though. There's one that's your favorite. Ooh, okay, let's see. Yep. Let, me, let me go through these and we'll see which one's your favorite. Um, okay. Let's see. Ashley Hod. I'm, I'm probably butchering that name. And I say I apologize when people mess up people's names, but I don't. I'm not going to. If your name's weird, it's weird. You know you're used to it by now. I, April, your last name's weird. You're used to it by now. I know. That's why it's not on my Facebook because it's so weird. <laughs> There's no need to put it on there. So uh, Ashley said better care overall, which is a big one. That's definitely a big one. Uh, I think we've gotten better as a hobby at care, though. General care. Uh, Either we've gotten better or the circle of friends that we keep have all <laughs> elevated. Well, that's, you know? def that's most definitely true. I definitely am now friends with people that have 
been in the hobby for, you know, years and years and years, and they're keeping it about the same level as me. I guess that does happen. I don't have a lot of beginner friends, and that's not really like I don't want to be your friend because you just got a snake. That's not it. It's just who I hang out with. So I guess that's, that may be part of it. Um, but she talks about too many, people, too many times people overload themselves. We've talked about that before. People just get mm-hmm. into, I want to get everything, and then everything just piles up. Or you just get excited, you know, and you want one of every color and every pattern. Oh my gosh, my cat is being a fucking cat. Sorry. She was Damn. about to dump the phone onto the ground. Damn ball sacks. I apologize. You and I have talked about it. Those ball sacks have become fairly famous. I'm so glad. They don't even know it. If they did, they'd have the biggest heads in the world. I get, I get asked about it and they talk, people bring it up in jokes like when I meet them in person. That's funny. Stupid that's amazing <laughs> i can't um, wait to meet more people in person and talk about ball sex oh no we're not going that direction we're going to keep it on we're going to we're not going in the direction of ball All right, sex. go on with your question <laughs> um, I, I apologize that she no, rudely interrupted us last three podcasts have all gone to ball sex and penises we're going to stay on animals here okay. uh so but yeah over overloading it doesn't help like reptile shows you know it, it's if you're a newcomer and you go to a reptile show for the first time, that's super overwhelming. If it's yes. depending on the show, like if it's some of the Repticons, uh, it may not be overwhelming, but if you go to a big show, especially if you end up at like Tinley or Daytona, your brain will melt. Or and, the super shows in California. Yeah. Or the super shows in California. And especially if you're not someone who has been, uh, who's basically been preached to the ball pythons are the way to go. No offense, Robert. Uh, I'm taken. but a lot of people, <laughs> when they get in the hobby, usually get a ball Python. That's they in, they get it stuck in their head. That's what they need. Um, started with hog nose, not ball pythons. So you start with venomous snakes. See, that's yeah, dangerous. See? <laughs> you fancy man. <laughs> but like, if you go to a reptile show with an open mind, not knowing if you know, you just like reptiles and you haven't pinpointed something yet, it can become very overwhelming and you can easily just start getting one of everything and that's hard to do when you're now having to figure out the care for all, and it's different for all these things. And some of these things, especially when people go buy some of these uh, resellers, wholesalers, and not all of them are bad. I'm not saying that, but you know, they have like the sunbeam snakes and they have all these imports um, sitting on their table and they're super cheap compared to some of these things that have been bred in captivity. So it's very easy for me to go, Ooh, I can get five of these for the price of one of those. And and that's how that stuff happens. And then they, those animals sometimes, if you don't know what you're doing, are not the hardiest to start off with. And uh, that really does tend to mess up people in the hobby, I think. Agree. Uh, Tucker Miller, personally, I'd love to see less toxicity within Facebook groups. Yes. Yeah. But Tucker, people suck. I don't know what to tell you. Uh People that suck. female reptile group is really good because there's none of that nonsense and everyone's super supportive and nice and friendly and not jerks yeah tucker you don't get to go there that's a female reptile group so i'm Sorry, not there either tucker. so no. uh but no, i agree I, I and it's hard because at least i know i was that kind of person when i was you know, 19 20 and on king snake at the time because facebook wasn't the thing and uh you know you'd look at things and i guess maybe on the forums people didn't always bad mouth as quick as they do on facebook like i feel like a forum was a little more involved to get in there and like bitch so it weeded out some of that 
Facebook, it's really, you can, you can tell people off really quick on Facebook and people do it all the time. Um, but yeah, I think more people just need to learn to scroll, scroll past shit. You know, it's amazing how fast a picture of a cage with, like if a snake went to the bathroom, there's a poop in the corner and then it turns into people just tearing that person apart for the care of their animal when they know nothing other than that picture. I saw a 30 comment argument today because someone was selling a 40 breeder with the lid for 50 bucks. And some girl said, you can get it for a dollar a gallon right now at Petco. And that erupted into, by the end, they were cursing each other out (laughs) over the price of a tank that no one was actually buying. And see, that's, that's (laughs) that's a scroll, that's a scroll past moment. Right. That, sh- that shit has nothing to do with you. Oh, I went right it. into it because I saw all the comments. I was like, this oh, is going to yeah. be good. Oh, yeah. But it's, I'm not talking about a reading. I'm being, you don't, people, you do not have to click reply. You're right. allowed to read stuff and go, man, that's fucked up. And then read something else. Move on. Right. Yep. But we don't do that for some reason. Uh, Travis Weinman said, moving away from feeding strictly rodent diets. I know that like uh, our buddy Ryan Cox, he's really into like trying to switch up his snake's diets. Um, yep i'm lazy so i I feed rodents but again most most of my shit are like they're mammal eaters i don't have a lot of like naturally bird eaters uh or lizard eaters or any of that stuff and i I mean i guess yeah i could offer the most stuff but i don't know there's rats and mice in my freezer and so that's what i feed. you can also do um well reptilinks is an option it as well because you can get much more varied stuff but the ones that i would want to use to do a more varied diet would be my beak snakes and they tend to eat live. So I'm not sure that they would go for a sausage. (laughs) So I have yet to try that, but it'll come and I'll let you guys know. Who was it? I was listening to the other day. was talking on one of the podcasts. They were talking about, Oh, it was uh, Rob stone talking about feeding a a reptilinks to, I forget what it was. But when it bit it, it tore it open, and then, like, it went everywhere. It, like, and so, exploded. <laughs> and so, at that point, he's just, like, got this pissed-off snake in feed mode, and he's having to clean all this meat out of this cage before that all starts to smell bad. Oh, my god! It was a bad situation all around. I mean, that's I almost... That... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you I, go I ahead. I had that happen last week with a... <laughs> I had with that happen last week with a... No, with a frozen-thawed mouse. Oh, oh my goodness! It wasn't a, a pinky. It was a like a mouse mouse. It, w- it was a fuzzy with a with a rosy boa, and she Man. must squeeze really hard, or she had it just right because it it went everywhere. Pop. Yep. It, Man. Did you warm the mouse up? Did it, was it warm or was it room temperature? Uh, it was warm. Yeah, I used to. I used Their to heat. Skin gets thinner when you warm them. Yeah, I used to heat stuff up in a in a pot on the stove while I'm like low. Um, like, wow, that is like intense yeah yeah i'd put it in, i'd put it in a ziploc bag i'd put them put the stove on put the pot i had my rat pot it wasn't used for any other other than rats <laughs> and uh and i'd warm them up in there but the problem is yeah that may get the rats up to temperature faster but man those pinkies and fuzzies get really soft and uh yeah those little rosies rosies are one of the, like the most vicious little eaters um, yes they are it's for a small snake. They really have a strong feeding response and they squeeze like crazy. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd fed her frozen thawed. So she's always been on live <laughs> and I just happened to have some, some pinkies that I've, that I, I mean, some uh, fuzzies that I had dispatched and frozen. So I said, oh, let's see if she'll eat it. 
and because I had one of my uh, hog nose that eats it was in blue and wouldn't eat, so I had an extra one. And she she ate it, and then she went and rubbed her face where it popped after that for like thirty minutes, and Ugh. kept rubbing her face in it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and that smell is horrible. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. I ended up doing a full clean out on her. <laughs> and then let's see, Jason, man, you know, Jason, I'm going to screw up your name, but Milleradovich. It's, it's always on here. And I always know I'm messing. It, that may be right. It just feels wrong when I say it. Miller, Milleradovich. Uh, so the end of feeding pictures and bloody hands. Yes. Uh, who was it that was talking about? I, I keep, I've got so many podcasts. I actually listened to podcasts this week um, and videos. And uh, someone was talking about, I think it was uh, Dan's video, which I'll talk about later. Dan Magano's yep, video. Yep, I think he did talk about that. Um, you may not think your feeding picture or video or your picture of where you got bit by your snake on accident uh, is bad. And in the reptile circle, most of us will go, yeah, that shit happens. Or we, when we see a snake eating, we know it's nature. It is what it is. But it's not us that we're worried about when you post those kinds of pictures. Um. And we talk about it all the time. It's the general public. And Dan talks about it. And again, we'll talk about his video. I've got it on my list. It's perception. He mentions it a lot in that video. It's perception. Um, and, and people perceive that stuff as bad. And I know some people have that mentality of, well, they can get over it. That's not the mentality that's going to help our hobby. You know, sometimes we have to be the bigger person and, and understand that, maybe we just we've got to be a little softer when it comes to trying to introduce our animals into the general public and some of these feeding videos uh and pictures of people's hands all covered in blood aren't going to help us they're not helping us in any way shape or form like the retake video if one of my normal friends tags me in that retake oh, video God. again i'm gonna lose my mind yeah we talked about that several episodes ago yeah that was one i think every reptile person every single reptile person probably got tagged by somebody on their facebook that's not a reptile person for that video. I actually have a, I typed out my response in a word document. <laughs> so I could just copy and paste and put it in there because I got tagged in it so many times. Nice. So I agree with Jason. I think those videos, those videos, pictures have got to stop. I know, look, take the pictures if you want, take the videos if you want, share them with your friends. Yeah, that, that's, that's fine. Share them in messages back and forth. You can I laugh did that about yesterday. It. You did. <laughs> And I laughed at you and we're moving on and it was great. <laughs> but the world didn't need to know what happened. You know, there's nothing good that comes from that. So anyways, that's why I agree with Jason there. Ryan Holland, we've talked about this before. Everyone needs to be more involved with us arc, which again, we'll talk about later. Cause that's also one of the things on here, but you, I agree. Everyone needs to be involved in us arc. Like I said, uh, I I'm going to start taking, uh, a, por a portion of every show I do. And taking that money and giving it to us arc that's going to be by my payback into the hobby um i think everybody if you breed if you sell anything that's reptile related if you're doing it you should really look into giving to us arc because they are here to protect you and they are doing i just a need very to set job. up an automatic payment so i don't have to think about it anymore that's what i need to do they do have that feature you can set that yep. up that's and it doesn't have to be big, you like know, it could bucks, be just, five exactly more. five bucks and it's not going to kill you. You could uh, save that much in change. If you uh, did that, keep the change thing. Well, just, I mean, think about they, they talked about it again. We'll, we'll talk about USR clear, but they talked about it on the podcast. We'll bring it up later. The benefits of that, but Ryan, you are right there. Uh, Justin Smith said, 
uh, the hard and fast rules of keeping various species. He's like, see those change. Uh, I think that refers to, oh yeah, the multiple ways that refers to the old, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people in our hobby and we've talked about, they read one care sheet and that becomes fact. And which if leads it, to a lot of the Facebook arguments. Yes. Which yes, you are right. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. You got to realize that there's so many different ways to keep these animals. And for some of these animals, no one knows if they're keeping it the best way. You know, we may be keeping it three different ways, all three different ways work. The animal's healthy. Which one's the best one at that point? I mean, there's no telling. It's nature. We're trying to recreate nature in a box. It's not, you know, get over yourself. Chill the fuck out. If someone's animal is fine, it's fine. Leave them alone. Again, keep scrolling. You don't have to comment every time. Unless it's sitting in a cage with a heat rock, you should definitely comment then. Because I don't, I don't care about all, all the other uh, hard and fast rules. No heat rocks. No heat rock. I can't believe they would still make those things. Dude, I they're, know. They're still in pet stores. Go to Petco. Oh, yeah. PetSmart. They're still there on the shelf. Two different sizes. It's insane. You know, I, I remember every pet shop had – they used to have them when, you know, they had that. They had the uh, pre-cut or the roll of green AstroTurf. Mm-hmm. and the big uh, ceramic croc water bowls. <laughs> and that was the reptile department at pet stores. You know, that was, that was it. That was that. Or in a, a stick on the side, a thermometer on a, on a tank. Like that was going to tell you the temperature of the heat rock that's inside. The t- it made no sense. Uh, but yeah, heat rocks. How are they still here? That's amazing. Uh, Jason Rop, Rop, again, probably messing that up. So this kind of ties into what Ryan said, which I haven't read Ryan's yet, but uh, the judgment in general with what is posted on social media, live feeding is getting big. Oh, so that goes back to the one we read up here. Oh, the other Ryan. No, he said Ryan Cox. So multiple people are upset about, yeah, things getting posted on social media, which I know is one thing uh, we want to bring up later with you, Robert, something you saw that I've seen on social media this week. Um, Tony come on people how much <laughs> just do first names come this, on <laughs> this has got 15 r's in it how do you do oh tony i know tony do you know I'm his last name his last, yeah, I say, i'm not gonna say his last name though that's what tony, tony. Tony. <laughs> oh more video observation learning uh, not people handling their animal going look this is my tub and this is my setup but more of uh what they're actually doing so he has the elephant trunk snakes. Those are fucking cool. He sets up a camera and gets like night footage and all this kind of stuff. Gets if you go like him, he's Revision Reptiles on Facebook. Is go he the like one, his page. Does he the one that had the video this week with him on the floor? Yes, like crawling. Yeah, oh, that was freaking weird. Yep. Mm-hmm. They yeah, do not so belong on land. He's doing like really cool stuff with just out of his own curiosity about the species and trying to do the best for them in captive care. He's just been getting so such really cool footage of them hunting. Um, he didn't get them birthing, I don't think, but he did have one of his females. He got that was gravid when he got her. So uh, he had babies as well. So it's really cool. If you're into a very interesting species. Yeah. Check that out. Cause that, that's a, it's a neat video to watch how it moves, not in the water. Uh, and you can see why they are designed for water. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also said work to understand the true needs versus imposed concepts like those care guides that someone reads and they believe that's the only way to do it. Uh, really learn what your animal needs. You know, like I said, 
before with your bloods, a lot of people would assume shoving them in a small tub like that where they're squeezed in there is horrible, but that's what they need. That's how they live. That is, that's their life in the wild. They're not free ranging across land. They're shoved in a hole with touching all sides, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you, you see people with going, Oh, you need to have cages with branches and, and bioactive and all this and that. And that works great for some snakes. But I don't think that would work great for a blood python. If you did it for a blood python, you'd have to put eight inches of soil and then assume you're never going to see your blood python. Yep. Same thing like for, I did for a Samboa. I, I would never see it. That's why they live in a tub because that's how they live in the wild. Not in a tub, obviously, but buried. Uh, what else? What else? What else? We haven't gotten to my favorite yet. We haven't gotten, uh, Gina, which is a friend of mine from the Herp Shows, uh, she says she likes to see more people get more than a damn slap on the wrist for abusing reptiles. Yeah, there are some people that yeah should probably not be allowed to keep animals that have been caught doing bad things with animals and still get animals back. Although, shit, that's, that happens with kids. You watch people get their kids taken away from them, and then they get the kid back to them, and then shit happens again. And Well, uh, uh, yeah, I was a cop for 10 years and was a child abuse investigator for half of that time, and I yeah. can attest to that. That, All the time. that must have been really hard. I was young and didn't have kids then, so it was a little easier than it. I don't think I could do it today. Isn't right. shit, shit is so much harder to do now when you have kids? Like, watch, even things like, look, before I got on here with y'all, we watched Armageddon. I watched Armageddon as a kid in 1999, and I was like, cool. I bawled my eyes out, thank you very much. Now I fucking watch it, and I'm like, at the end of it, when he's like talking about his daughter, and I'm like, I'm trying not to cry the whole time. I'm like, yep. God damn it. Now I'm a dad. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> like I relate now. Damn it all. <laughs> it's like, I've seen it. I've seen it with my dad since he's become a grandfather. He's way softer than when he was just my dad. That's so funny. So, uh, Maybe you do have a heart after all, James. I do. It's, I just keep hitting a lot of times. Oh, oh Riley <laughs> wanted more carpet pythons. Fuck you, Riley. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Cox said people placing ego before animals. That's always been his big thing. Uh, get over yep. yourself, do what the animal needs. And also, uh, you know, free handlers. Also, fuck you, free handlers. Yep. Um, uh, keepers, oh, Riley also said keepers thinking with their brains uh, as opposed to someone else's brain. I Just, well, I mean, I, there's common, well, I always want to say common sense, but common sense is not common anymore. So, there's a lot of things like when you see some of the issues on Facebook, you're like, how did that become an issue? Common sense says you should have done this instead of that. And common sense doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Darren Watson. Don't know if it's feasible, but I would like to see it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Anyways, I don't know if it's feasible, but I'd like to see Australia allow importation. Yeah, Darren, I, Australia sucks. They're, I mean, sure. We all would like to see that, but I don't, I don't even like, I don't know. I'm sure the people in Australia definitely wish they would allow importation, with, but I get they're afraid of things spreading. At least mm-hmm. export like albino shit. Like give give us any all of your albino things. There's so many albino things now where I'm like, send it over here. Uh, also, again, Jason Milleradovich. Plus, I would uh, I wish we could see the end of yes, noodle and danger noodle and snack and human. Someone mm. I posted on the blood group i think i don't know i don't know where i posted if it was a comment or a main post but i think i said i spelt snake with a uh ek 
You know what I'm talking about? Like snick, yeah. whatever. I did that. And someone said, I'm never going to buy from you because you use that verbiage. I'm like, okay, <laughs> there'll be others. I'm not worried. But I was like, dang, someone is like triggered or something, man. I, I had someone catch me in the wrong mood the other day and sent me a message and asked, do you make snack racks? And I said, nope. <laughs> and that was Sorry. as far as the conversation went. <laughs> I, uh, you know, as much as that annoys the shit out of me, I guess it goes back to my, we just, guess we just need to shut up and keep scrolling. Yeah. If someone's loving their snake and, and they want to do that, let them fucking do it. Right. If someone's caring for them really well, like that, call them a, a snake, whatever. I, I yeah. do think I, I am tired of danger noodle. Can we get rid of that one? Yes. Just, or just nope, nope rope. The nope rope that, that one can go too. But I, you know, I get, I, I was the person I was like, fuck you foot and snake. But I guess, you know, you know what? <laughs> You're taking care of your animal, and that's really the number one thing is you're taking care of your animal. And, you know, if that's what you want to stand behind, stand behind it. If you don't want to associate or do business yeah. or whatever with like, someone that you do, uh, you do. Argument in one of, yeah. There was a huge argument in one of the ball python groups a few weeks ago. because What, an argument was, in a ball python whoa, group? Yeah, imagine that, because some girl was kissing her snake on the top of the head and talking about how much it loved her, and everybody was going in on her. And I'm like, the only person that's going to hurt is her. What do you Yeah, care? I will tell you. I had a snake bite my lip because I had her chilling on my chest as I was watching TV. And apparently like the breath from my nose hitting my upper lip made it look like a pinky or something. I don't know. (laughs) That was the most painful thing ever. So I do not put snake heads close anywhere Uh, to my face or head anymore. I'm more worried. Like, if someone about my face biting my actual eyeball, that's my biggest fear. Like, oh, oh God. Oh, could you imagine? Hey, my, no. my, kid, my kid about six months ago, he was nine. He got bitten on the eyebrow by oh. a ball python and it was a feed response bite and it did not. Oh, let go. oh my goodness. So we had to get it off with mouthwash. It was the only way we could get her to let go. Uh, Damn. He, he picked her up when I stepped out of the room and there was already rat smell in the room. He opened her up and picked her up. It was, she'd only been with us a few days. We got her from a teacher who'd had her in a classroom for seven years. Yeah. And she didn't know how to act. And uh, she bit him and held on. And it was millimeters away from acting because it had his eye, his, like his eyelid and his eyebrow. It basically oh. was like giving him an eyebrow piercing. Pretty with much. snake teeth. Pretty much. Well, yeah. well, come on, Robert. Don't you know they're danger noodles? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> this kind of goes along with, uh, I guess we need to kind of get okay with the corny shit that Jason gets. I'm, Jason, I'm with you. Those things are annoying. But I guess, you know, again, if they're taking care of their animal, they can call it whatever the hell they want to. Uh, Graham Battison said, remove the elitist attitudes. Remind everybody we all started somewhere. That is 100% true. Yes. Um, we were all at some point that person that asked way too many fucking questions. Like, we or, were like, you don't know what you don't know. No, I agree. I agree. So if someone posts, you know, saying for, for blood pythons, you know, I just got this baby and it's in a 20 gallon tank and I have it on Aspen shedding or shaving, blah, 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 whatever. You know, some people be like, Oh my gosh, how could you do that? Why would you do that? It's the worst thing you could do in the world. And it's like, but they just, they just don't know. Like you can't, don't be a dickhead just because they know. Just educate them politely or better yet do like a private message. So yeah. you don't even have to have it public and you'd be like, just reach out and be nice to them. Well, you know, I was talking to Justin from THP and he's now, they've switched up. They have the herpetoculture network where he's kind of linking all of his podcasts and everything together. Um, he's kind of I like, was wondering glo- what that was. <laughs> was like, kind of like, well, he wants to make it as a 
and it's his thing to talk about, but I kind of talk about it a little bit here. He wants to make it as like, uh, kind of like a, the place you go to brings everything together for everybody to bring everybody together. And I was talking to him, it would be a great place where if someone posts that about blood pythons, they could give them a link to that website and there would be a spot on there that would give you three or four different breeders websites that would have all the information you need about blood pythons and they could go there. Now the problem is the person posting that question 90% of the time wants an immediate, just a short immediate answer. They don't want to have to go read for it, which is one huge problem is where we're at is no one wants to have to go actually look for the answer. But I would like some sort of centralized location where all these bigger breeders, all these bigger people that have websites and have information and good care guides. No, I'm not, I'm not hating on care sheets. I think they are good. People need to understand they're not the end all be all, but they are good to have. But if there was some centralized location, we could point people towards instead of just saying Google search it. You know, Google search is dangerous because Petco, PetSmart, their care guides tend to come up first if you're looking for a care guide. So, uh, I do wish there was a way to kind of have, have that to point people in the right direction. Cause I agree We people do need to get over themselves and not just right out go, you don't know how to do that. You shouldn't have it. I said, you don't know how to do that here. Here's what I know. So anyways, moving on. Still haven't got to your favorite yet. I know. I, which know. One, I think I know which one your favorite is. I, I think you, because of the, the one comment, and we're how your brain on? connected. I know yeah. you know which one it is. Are we, is it there yet? Are we there? Hold on. I thought it was. Hold on. Let me. Uh, da, 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 da. Hold on. Wait. I think it's the was it this long one. Nope. No. Oh, no. I'm, it's the one I commented on. I look. Yeah. Hello. Oh wait. Oh, wait. 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 Is this. Is it it's the last? One. It was the very last one. It's the very last one. <laughs> um, Brendan Frizella. Frizella. I look. Have a normal name, people. Uh, Everyone is going to be Smith now. Justin, you got lucky with your last name. <laughs> uh, Brendan says a couple of disclaimers. He doesn't hate morphs, ball pythons, rack systems, bioactive, nor saying either of those can provide a better standard of care, which I agree. Look, I, I, bullshit, I shit on ball pythons all the time. But as a snake, I, 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 I like them. They're just not my cup of tea. So. I jokingly bullshit on them all the time. So people cool your tits there. Not your can of Coke zero. That is true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that entertained me so much more than it should have. <laughs> um, every keeper and animal has different needs than the next hobbyist. That being said, and then he goes into a, uh, well, like a novel on what he wants, but I know the thing that you were most interested in. Yeah. They brought up, was the idea of a stud book. Yes! How cool is that? So, I'm going to show both sides of the fence here. And uh, I agree with on one side, it would be totally awesome to be able to go, guys, look, here is every snake your snake is related to. This is where it goes back to. I can trace it. That's awesome. The other part is the mentality of humans of, well, I don't want people knowing what I have. Not like, I don't want you, you know, April, I don't want you to know what I have. That's not it. I don't want general knowledge of what I have to be out there for the general public. Um, like who owns what type of thing? Yeah. Like it's because I don't like we talk about, I don't tend to tell my neighbors right away that I own 40 something snakes in my house because I don't want stories to start going around and people start finding if they don't like me trying to get the cops to come out and take my snakes away, even though I'm not doing anything illegal. Um, I don't want a registration of people out there that own retics 
um, just because we want to know what retic was bred to what, and well, then someone people, and take sorry. it out and use it the wrong way. That that's my only thing. I don't want general public to be able to get a hold of that stud book and go, all right, now we can go after every individual that owns retics. I'm just trying to think about it because um, what zoos have stud books? Yes, yes. I don't have access to those. How well, can we make it like that? But see, that'd be very hard. Zoos don't have it because that's AZA has it and that's theirs. And they're so let's make a you know like an AZA for breeder reptile breeders. Like, I, obviously, yeah, I have no it, idea how to make this but happen. It's, but but it's, but... the difference is like the zoo stud book. PETA is just trying to stop zoos in, in general. They're not going after a certain species, right? But PETA is going to go after sure. retics, and they'll find a way to get a hold of the retic stud book and go. Here's where everyone is that has retics. Let's see what we can do, what ticky-tack stuff we can do to start tearing this apart. And I'm, look, that's the, the paranoid part of my brain. But if the, I stay paranoid so that shit doesn't happen. That's why it works that way. Well, and all they would need is one friendly um, federal judge somewhere to give them carte blanche access to that if it was something that could be searched. And yeah. it would be everywhere. Well, now I feel like you just shit on my parade, guys. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't want to because I do think it is such a cool idea to have this professional collection of uh, genes, basically, being able well, to trace what about, back. like, so some people do it not on an extensive, very formal level, but, like, Eric Burke, I know he has a history of carpets, like, like crazy, like, lineage of all different he, animals. Or, uh, well, the best at it is Nick Mutton. Or Nick, you know, and and there's people in the blood world, too, that do that. And so it's not necessarily, you know, that it needs to be this whole big public thing. But I'm, I'm there with you. I fully understand. It's, it is a great idea, and I wish that we could. And, and I, I think we should. I think we should find a way. I'm not saying we shouldn't. We should definitely. Especially would, when it comes to um, – uh like bottlenecking the genetic pool you know yeah and having that like i don't want it to be like cheetahs of the world you know what i mean (laughs) and for those of you that don't know what i mean they all basically have the same yeah yeah, they're all related and have basically the same dna yeah if one one gets the flu they can all catch it and they're all basically yeah my question is who would administrate it i mean i i've been a member of the american quarter the american quarter horse association since i was a kid and right now they are they only keep a registry of quarter horses and you know there's only uh, a a mare will only have a foal after 340 days so it's like 11 month gestation period we have snakes some of these snakes out here that have 40 50 60 babies at a time yeah and aqha right now is like a year behind on giving out registrations and they're only doing quarter horses well and that's the problem is you have to have some formalized uh, identification numbering system. Yeah, right. I was like, you probably have to microchip them and have the microchip registered to. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, anyone could say, "Oh yeah, this is, you know, from this animal, whatever." You know, because like my, I've talked about my numbering system before. It's like three letters, which tells me the species. Uh, I, three numbers, which tell me the year and the uh, number litter it was that year. And then the number of the animal. And like that's, that works for me, but everybody has their different way of numbering something. And so that would be another big problem. So I don't, I don't know the answer of how to do it. I don't know the logistics of how to do it, but I do think it's a great idea. I mean, I'd love to be able to go, look, this is the, the boa I have. Let me see who has boas that are related to it. And then I can try and not, it is going to sound bad, but not buy from them, not because I don't want to buy from them, but I'd like to try and get farther away genetically 
instead of, like you said, bottlenecking that gene pool and just having five snakes that are all within two or three generations of each other. Well, you know how people like sell pears for a discounted price yeah. generally, yeah. but generally they're brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what? <laughs> so when people say unrelated pair, like that's, you know, obviously more exciting, but you get a pair of, I don't know. I, I, was, I was literally trying to think of a ball python morph and like nothing came to mind. I was like, pewter is what did, what did two pewters make? I don't know. <laughs> pewter is a thing, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, it isn't corn snakes. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, if you get, you know, a pair from the same, um, uh, clutch, then you're just, you know, mess you're, you're doing not great things with genetics because they're so closely related uh, and you can do that for a couple of generations, but if you continually do that, you're going to come up with a lot of different issues and yeah. it's not going to be fun when those babies hatch out all crazy looking. Well, yeah, and it's tricky because like some of these people out there get really known for this species and maybe this morph of that species. And so several people buy from them over the next four or five years. And yeah, you're buying maybe from different clutches or different litters and then five years pass and they're breeding and you buy from them. Well, now you're just buying first cousins. You know, it's because yeah, exactly. everybody, everybody wanted that original color or mutation that they had and they were the one to go to for it. Um, it would be nice to know who has one that's farther down the gene, down the family tree, you know. And yeah, I'll we, even we, try to do – oh, sorry, go ahead. We've got some ball python morphs that – like the orange dream. It came from Ozzy, uh, Ozzy Boyd's. Um, that that's that's the originator of that gene. So I would think that every orange dream out there, which I have some myself, that they all go back to the same lineage. Well, and the ball python yeah. things are, are weird because like the way it used to be, you know, they'd get a crate in and those guys would go and they'd dig through the crate and this guy would find a ball python that had more orange and that guy would find one in the same crate that had the same kind of orange and one lives in Florida, one lives in California and then now they gave it a different name. And so now you've got these two different things. You're like, oh, no, this, this is this person and this this person's. They're unrelated. Yeah. Like, they're probably brother and sister because they probably got collected in the same square yeah. mile of each other. Like the banana and the coral glow is the same yes. thing. Yeah. Same thing. But, you know, that, that's one thing that I don't – I think a stud book would help. Uh, naming just so that we can quit giving the same gene five different names. And that really – I think it's kind of mellowed out in the ball python. It's not as bad as it was in like the mid two thousands where people were throwing around names like crazy. Yeah. You, you've got world of ball pythons. It's kind of the clearinghouse yeah. of it. Um, but it's still, you just submit to them and say, look, I created this world's first. Here's what I want to call it. And they put it on there. So I'm not shitting on your, on your love of this idea, April. I promise. I just understand it's, it's a huge, it's a big undertaking. It's yeah. And, and that, I think everyone's like, that's a great idea. And then to me, I'm like, I don't have the time to even try to, you know, chip away at that iceberg of how big of a project that is. Yeah. So, but I love the idea. So thank you. And Dan yeah. brought it up too in his video. Yeah, he does. And it's, like I said, it's a great idea. I, I, and in, and your, and your circles, it'd be probably much easier because bloods, short tails, it's it's a fairly smaller community, and y'all kind of all know each other. At least the main players, and we, we like, kind of do it anyway. So yeah, but like think about ball, ball pythons. You go to a show, and there's twenty tables of ball pythons, and it'd be near impossible to figure out who's related to who. You know, it's I don't know, and then so many pop up. 
you know, this one person went out and spent 10 grand because they had it, bought a bunch of pythons, bred them one time, went to a show, sold, and then they disappear again. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. It's a great idea. I would love to see something along the lines of it done. I just don't know how. So that was it though. That was it for our question. It was a lot of good stuff on my question of things you'd like to see change. There's a, there's a lot of things I, I thought about it today. I was like, I know I should have thought about when I put the question up, but I didn't. Uh, I don't know what I want to see. Change. All these are really good. I don't know what one thing outside of these that I would say. Um, I think people's, and, and, and I fall, I've fallen into this before. People's mentality of others in the hobby probably need to change. Just the whole, if it doesn't affect you, move on. That's got to change. That's we can't we can't keep tearing apart ourselves, and so we do a really good job of that, unfortunately. Yep. Yes, we do. So, anything that y'all could think of that wasn't on this list, we're like, yeah, I'd like to see this change. I wish that Peta didn't attack away. us. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I wish changed. <laughs> that Peta just went away and didn't exist, and they all fell off the face of the earth. Like all pushing dumb regulations on us. All animals. Not on all earth, of them are dumb, but all animals on earth wish PETA would go away too. They do nothing good for animals. Not a damn thing. Nothing. And anybody out there going, anybody out there going, that can't be true. It's a hundred percent true. Them and the United States humane society do nothing good for animals ever. So if anybody out there is giving money to them, uh, you're basically giving money to a terrorist organization. Way to go. I'm telling you, PETA, PETA is a terrorist organization. They fit Absolutely, all the criteria, um, but they do it and say they do it for the common good of animal welfare, but that's not true. If it was true, they wouldn't be making as much money as they're making. I'd say they do it to fatten their pocketbooks, yes. yeah. their wallets, whatever. You know what I mean? They're non-leather wallets. <laughs> <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So moving down my list here, things that we had from listeners this week. Uh, let me pull that up. I had it here. Ryan Cox uh, said he wanted some good, high quality, a footage. And I'm not gonna lie. I had to look up what a Theris was, but it's, it's bush vipers. I do know what a bush viper is, but unlike Ryan Cox and Justin Smith, I, I speak in common names. They, they start throwing around scientific names. Like I, I got no clue what you're talking about. It was, I was listening to THB and it was, it was Rob stone and Justin started talking. It was nothing but scientific names. I'm like, can we throw out a common name every now and then just so I can picture like, what you're talking about? I'm dumb. Why can't I know these? That's like, what I, I feel when I listen to that. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to know it. And I've listened to enough podcasts where some of these scientific names will stick. And I'm like, but I don't remember what that animal is. I'm just like, I know y'all have talked about it before. But is it? I'm like sometimes I'm like, is it a frog? Is it a lizard? I, can we get just the group? Like, let me know what it is. Does it have legs? Does it, ha- does it not have legs? So, but Ryan Cox did post a, a YouTube video uh, a Theris of some bush vipers, and they are cool little little snakes, which would be an awesome one in the venom proof cages. If anybody wanted a venom proof cage, <laughs> start throwing out venom proof cage stuff. Uh, <laughs> Jason Rop. Oh. He he posted an article about a four-foot uh, snake ringing a man's doorbell in Kansas. And I clicked on the article. I went to the article, and there were so many things wrong with that situation. One, the video that it plays up top 
is of like a coral snake in Florida eating another snake. What, what the fuck? This whole thing's about a snake in Kansas ringing a doorbell. That's the video I got. And then, and then it talks about how rat snakes can reach up to 10 feet long. I'm like, what rat snake? Not any here. So. But it had nothing to do about the doorbell because I'm more curious about this doorbell thing. It just like, I think it was like a smart one, like a, a smart doorbell or whatever. And it, I had a cockroach uh, that's, <laughs> trigger my, my, my uh, <laughs> smart doorbell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Memphis. That's all I got to say. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess I got to announce this because it was on here and, and I think it'll have an aneurysm and I'll say it. Lance Kirkman did have a baby boy on July 7th. Yeah, so did Graham. Oh, yeah. Graham had one like two days before that. Graham had, uh, so dad's everywhere. Congratulations. You are proven breeders. And enjoy your diapers of shit for the next few years. Woohoo. It's a lot. It's a lot of shit. <laughs> I have it's weird. I, do I have, not miss those days. I have so many stories <laughs> about shit. That's what as a parent you end up with just shitloads shit of shitloads of stories about shit. You, you you don't realize how often it comes up as an issue when you have a kid. But there's a lot of things that happen that's centralized around shit. It sounds yes. like you've just been traumatized. It's so funny. <laughs> I told y'all before. I, look, it's. I know the story. <laughs> I, I walked in. It was everywhere. I walked out. I couldn't do it. It's just. <laughs> I, it, I did it too. Oh, I don't look. I can clean. Poor wives. I can clean up my snake shit out of my cage all day long, but I walk in and find baby shit all over the place. I'm done. I'm gone. It's. It's. I can't do it. Yeah, mine are, mine are 17 and 10 now, so if they shit everywhere, we got bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. If they shit, they're cleaning up their own shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, so that was what we had from the listeners this week. Thank uh, you, listeners. Yay. One thing I did want to mention, because I got some replies, but I'll kind of mention why we have it up. So I made a post that said uh, we're approaching our 25th episode, which will be our next episode. will be our 25th. We're a quarter away to 100. Uh what has been your favorite thing on our podcast so far, whether it be a guest, a segment, whatever we do. Um, and we've gotten some good replies. We've gotten a handful of them, but I just want to announce that I'm going to leave it. It's going to be up there. And next podcast, there will be a, uh, actually this week, we will pick somebody from that list to be our next guest. So if you have not uh, put your favorite thing on there yet, go do that. And April and I will look at them and we'll find somebody and you'll be our next guest on the podcast. We, we think it'd be really cool to have some of our listeners. I mean, Robert was one of our listeners. Yeah. Uh, since the first episode. Yay. So really cool to have you on, but there's tons of people out there that listen that, you know, if they have one snake, one lizard, they listen or whatever. It'd be cool still to have them on and get Absolutely. Their, their view on stuff. So go find that. Uh, it's on our Facebook page, write down our, your favorite thing from our podcast so far. And we'll contact you sometime this week and say, hey, do you want to come talk with us for two hours on a Monday? So, all right. YouTube stuff. The first first one, uh, Robert and I had the same thing. It was the Dave Kaufman video where he went to M-Toxins. It was awesome. Which was a really cool video. It was, uh, it's, I'll give you the title. It's a Venomous Snake Zoo Tour, M-Toxins Venom Lab, which is in Minnesota, right? That's in Minnesota. I think I thought it was in Wisconsin. Wisconsin? It's look, they're the same place. It's just cold. It's, it's yeah, up it's cold. where it's cold. They actually <laughs> talk about it in the video. Uh, yeah. So, wow, yeah. James. <laughs> it's it's either 
cheese or not cheese, whatever we'll say it is. All right. Oh my word. It's one of those places where you can't own tortoises outside because you have like 13 months of winter. I didn't watch this video and I really need to use the restroom. So I'm going to do that and let you guys talk about this. Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a really cool video. I enjoyed it. Um, I knew M toxins, they exist. They've been up there and they've been doing venom extractions and they um, do venom extractions for making anti-venom and for many other people that need it for whatever use where they're using it in medicine and stuff nowadays, which is really cool. Yes. But the video, they just opened up an actual like, kind of like indoor zoo area which seems to be the thing now which is cool i'm i'm digging it i wish more people down here in the south would open some reptile zoos yeah. so i can go there's like three serpentariums now in in that northern area yeah. between bhvs and theirs and the one that emily's opening emily yeah. Netter opening so basically if you live in the frozen north or florida you can find somewhere that has snakes that you can go look at if you live anywhere else in the country uh go to petco i don't know what to tell you there's nothing there's nothing else <laughs> so but their new place is really cool it's got tons of venomous um and some really cool venomous it's all retired stuff things that they were milking for venom and no longer so they are now just a display animal so what i just you, looked it up james they are in oshkosh wisconsin wisconsin oshkosh bagosh wisconsin yeah uh i think my it's, it's gonna be funny my favorite part of the the collection is all these really awesome venomous snakes and then this one, like, really normal-looking boa constrictor. Yeah. They said it's the only non-venomous animal only, in the building. Only one in the building. They've got all this stuff. They've got, like, all these cobras and all taipans and vipers and rattlesnakes and are very – not even, like, no offense to their boa because I love all boas. But it's not even, like, oh, that's an amazing-looking boa. It's really a basic-looking boa. Yep. And it's an it's amazing, huge enclosure. It looks great. Right in the middle of the room. Uh I just think it's funny that, that that's what that cage space got used for. What was your favorite part of that whole thing? Uh, watching him interact with the snakes, the way uh, the owner, I can't think of his name offhand, uh, the way he gets them out. He does everything the same every time. It's all about safety. He uses the hook. He actually uses tongs on the big king. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's very gentle with it. The way he does it was great. To, to me, that was way better than any free handling video I've seen. And it's so fluid and quick. Yes, just quick, and he does it. He milks it, puts it back up, and that's it. Snake's done, and then it gets to eat. So, and they, and they, they feed the, after they did. Yeah, because it's an, a reward. You know, you did your job. Here's your food. But they don't do the whole like, let me squeeze every drop out of your venom glands. Right. Yeah, you know, it bites. Whatever venom comes out, comes out. They put it back in. They feed it. Um, I also. If you notice, it didn't appear that he was missing fingers or they were locked no. in certain positions because uh, there are many, many roadside <laughs> places in, in Florida where you can go and watch people do this, and they'll be missing about four fingers, and yeah. one of them doesn't bend anymore. That was the first thing I looked for was to see how many fingers he was missing, and it didn't appear he had any missing. Yeah. Uh, I find it funny that that's what you particularly looked for. <laughs> okay, so have you – I can't remember Sean's last name, but have you met Nine Finger Sean at the Herp Shows, Robert? <laughs> uh not that i know of because there's, there's like four sean's there right okay? and so sean gray's on in charge but um there's, i don't know why i can't remember sean's last name but he he's got a fun story it's not say a fun story it's a he got bit and he lost part of his finger but the story of getting bit so i always when i'm talking like at the show i always go is it sean gray or nine finger sean because <laughs> people that deal with hots you're always like do you have all your fingers right 
is isn't that so crazy oh my goodness i mean i couldn't work with hots i just couldn't i i couldn't if i had to to pin and do that kind of stuff uh, i i so as a zookeeper i i would get nervous when we'd have to jump on the back of crocs and i have to put my hand the most nervous it wasn't so much getting on the back of the crocodile the most nervous was when you have to bring your fingers up above the head and then wrap around the mouth that part that's the part where like if you don't do it fast enough you'll be one of those people missing fingers and you don't have a fun story of like when you got bit by a venomous snake it's just when this crocodile ripped all your fingers off right and so that part would make me nervous but it was still fun i could not be somewhere where i had to pin venomous snakes all the time and do that stuff that i i just couldn't handle it well that, that's what i liked about watching him you could tell that he's he's very fluid about it because he's done it a million times but he's not complacent at yes. all that's at all. good and that whole the whole room it's wide open it's very clean looking um yes. big glass windows to see everything um and like i said it's, it's all venomous except for the for the one very normal boa constrictor right um i did enjoy seeing how they do the how they freeze dry the venom i was just about to bring that up didn't you did you get like me you just want to like stick stuff in that stuff to see what it does well, I, was like, <laughs> I was like i'm thinking what else can we freeze dry like, right. <laughs> and can i get one of those yeah um, cause he asked, cause at one point they dip it in the, in the solution and he asked him what it is and he goes, and it's a proprietary solution. I'm like, well, what the hell did you put in it? Like, there's only so many things that get that cold. He what said mostly was- dry and alcohol. And there's something else though. I want to know what the oh, yeah. other thing is though. Like what's your secret <laughs> ingredient? <laughs> and then you got to watch the venom like freeze, free- or not dry, uh, freeze dry. So, but, uh, the whole thing is, I don't know, it's, it's very neat. And a place like that is, well, and he said in the video, the owner, um, they, they have interns and stuff there. And, but Dave asked him, what do you tell someone who wants to get into that line of work? And he said, right there, he said, look, don't basically, but not in a bad way, but, uh, the nature of venom extraction is really changing. We're being able to be able to produce so many of these proteins now in a lab without the animal. Mm. Um, that he said they're growing venom glands in a lab. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So really you should go into work with toxicology and stuff like that in the uses of using these venoms versus just the milking of the venom. That will, that will give you a a far better career path than, you know, a lot of these venom extraction places there. There's not a ton of them left and they're all, you know, it's probably not the best career path to go going, Hey, I just want to pick up Cobras by the head. Right. If you want to do that. I actually used to want to do that. I was like, oh, I'll go to like a rattlesnake farm. This is way before. Just get you a YouTube channel and free handle some cobras. <laughs> okay. I mean, he, it must be a good business because just, you know, I'm doing the quick math in my head as I'm looking at all of the enclosures and the racks and, you know, they got a hundred, they got a hundred something thousand dollars just in racks in that place. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's definitely not cheap. No, but you, you, the yield, I couldn't get over the yield. Yeah. So it was like six months worth of yield of whatever species it was. And it was like half a pill bottle. Yeah. That was all they had of like freeze dried powder. It was like half a pill bottle. Well, you saw like those spitting cobras. You couldn't even see it in the glass. Yeah. When you milked them. Interesting. And that was, that was basically said from the beginning of the year. So six months yield of, of milking whatever species that was. And it really was almost nothing. And, uh, it just really makes you think about how much, how much you have to do to just get enough to be able to produce antivenom. And they're not even just producing antivenom there. They're producing for people that want to be able to make medicines and use it. So you can see why labs starting to do that. Why they found a way to produce these proteins 
uh, in labs. Yeah, but it's not. A lot of their customers are international and a lot of them, almost all of them make them sign NDA. So you couldn't even talk about what they were going to be used for. Yeah. Um, well, and, and it's not surprising they've, they've found a way to do a lot of the stuff in labs without the snakes. Cause when you think about like insulin production, um, for anybody that doesn't know insulin shots for the longest time were produced from pigs. They had to use pigs to produce insulin for humans and then get it from the pigs and then use it in human. And that was, that was an expensive process, but now, they're able to put DNA in bacteria. They put our DNA in bacteria, just the part for making insulin. And so these bacteria in a lab can produce insulin all the time because they have all the parts to be able to do it. We just gave them the instructions and now it's, we can do it much faster. That's why insulin is so much cheaper now because it can be mass produced. That's what they're doing with these venoms. Now they're producing them in labs, mass produced, which, which is going to come in really handy because I know at one point with like a uh, coral snake, any venom, they quit making it at one point. Cause it was just so expensive and I said, screw it. And so at that point, if you got bit by a coral snake, it sucked. <laughs> you had no antivenom. Um, they've brought it back, but the problem with coral snakes is they're a nightmare to try to get. They're still even out. It's all expired, but they, 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 right. Right. And they, uh, they, they recertified every, I have a friend who has, has some of, because they keep corals. And uh, so they have to get their, their batch recertified every year. It's, it's crazy. So if they can start doing this in a lab much cheaper, It'll be so much better for all of us. So if, if you are interested in the use of venom and you want to figure out what career path, like they said in the video, toxicology or uh, oh, my brain's going blank. But, you know, those lines, lab work basically is, is your best path. Figure out what things you can do with that venom versus can I grab this rattlesnake on the back of the head and make it bite this plastic? Pharmaceutical research and development. Yes. So other YouTube video. Clint's reptile. Are you the one y'all watched the Clint's reptiles video with the 25 popular pet reptiles? I watched part of it. Okay, so it was funny because it was like a speed dating video. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> it's 20, and, and he was funny too when he got to some of them. Cause some of them was like, like iguanas. I forget what he said, but it was all along the lines of like, don't when he got to like green iguana, <laughs> but he goes through 25 popular reptiles and it's like, I think 10 seconds on each one. And he tells you about each one. If you're out there, go watch it. On Clint's reptile channel, Clint's also funny. He's got a very dry sense of humor um, that some of you may or may not get, but I find it very funny. I love it, um, and he puts out pretty good information. I mean, he's and he doesn't do bite videos, which is one thing I'm I'm happy about. Great, uh, and then also along the line, oh, go ahead. Do you think most of his videos are like PG PG thirteen? I would say. I think so. Right? Okay. If, if, if that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for um, videos that like uh, young kids can watch too. So I already have like yeah. Snake Discoveries. Saying, I know that's good. Yeah, almost absolutely. anything Emily puts out. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I know she Clint connects with them. Too. Okay, because they want a snake and they just want a python. I'm like, okay, you need to figure out more. Well, so yeah, I, like send always, them to these channels so they can figure out. You know, get I more. I always hate on Facebook when you see what pythons y'all have available, and I'm like, what python? Like that is. You can't ask what pythons are available. It's, that's something. And it's always, I know it's always ball. I know I'm being a wise ass. And the actual question is what ball pythons are available, which is still yeah. like the worst way to ask for what snakes do you have? Like figure His out what kid you said. I want a python. And then he comes to me. Do you have pythons? I'm like, you don't want the ones <laughs> I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you definitely don't want to boop the snoot of any of those guys. No. <laughs> I'm like corn snake. He's like, but that's not a python. I'm like, are your kids going to know? I, I don't think so. <laughs> Sambo was a really good pet. I'm just saying, if anybody yeah. wants, 
All right. I'll throw that out there too. Um, and then, so speaking of snake discovery, my next video I had this week was snake discovery, how snakes move, which is a really cool video. Uh, she shows the different way different snakes move. You, know, you have the, the regular serpentine motion that we're used to uh, in seeing Sidewinders. like sidewinders is on there, which is always a cool one when you watch it in slow motion because the whole purpose of a sidewinder moving that way is so that they don't burn the shit out of their belly. Like it's not because like, hey, this looks fun. It keeps their belly off the ground for most yep, of the time. So they while don't moving. contact. Yep. So it allows them to move across well, sh- shifting surfaces and not burning their belly. Um, which is why you don't see most snakes. Most snakes don't do it because they don't have to. It's just these guys have to. Um, and the serpentine was is normal. And then the I forget the names of it, but there's the one like you'll see like boas do where they put their body forward and then bring their tail, kind of like you know what you think of when big snakes move. But my favorite favorite one to watch is what like when you see gaboon vipers. I was gonna yes. say, do they look like, like slugs? Well, like well, yeah, it's like they they can move in a straight line. That's without, how blood pythons are too. Without moving their backbone, it's the craziest thing. So funny. I mean, and, you, and go from barely inching forward to flipping over backwards like a lightning and biting you. Yeah, it's it's the coolest way of moving. And and they explain it. She explains in the video the whole reason for that is to be able to move in tight confined spaces. Why you tend to find things like uh, bloods who are living underground being able to do it, um, and some other snakes in, in your gaboons living kind of the same kind of lifestyle. They're a short, fat snake living in logs and stuff being able to move straight because they can't wiggle back and forth. Uh, but to watch it happen, especially if you watch a big gaboon doing it, there's so much going on with the belly scales and nothing else is moving. And they just go straight. It's, it's the, it's the neatest movement. I think it's, I think it's cooler than sidewinders. Like your yeah, sidewinders, it's neat, but the snake doing it, it looks like it's a robot. It looks like it's like should be on wheels and you're just like controlling it to go straight forward. Have y'all ever had a snake go backwards on you? Like out of my hands. Because yeah. like my short tails do that. And I was like, what the heck? What are you doing? It was just very odd. It is a pain when they're coming out. Of, like you're trying to get them, especially if you're trying to get them in something. And then all of a sudden they start backing out of it. Like you're paying. I'd just be holding them and you anticipate movement going forward. And then it went backward. I'm like, oh no, how do I support you if you're going backwards? It just kind of <laughs> threw me off. So those were my videos. I know, April, you had one from, we talked about a little bit earlier, from Dan. You want to talk about that video? Um, there was a lot that he went over and a lot of rambling in that video. Good rambling. Not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of Dan's videos, though. They're him just rambling. It's, it's our it podcast. Is, you know, but I, he's, for me, I feel like Dan is really insightful with what he has to say. And maybe I'm biased because he's one of my friends and keeps the same type of snakes that I have. So I probably am actually very biased. Um but he talked about um, like when people do the getting bit videos and how we need to come together as a community and not have that as our first, you know, first impression, you know, first foot forward type of thing. And um, gosh, what else did he talk about? He talked about so much. He it's talked so about funny. doing this, the stud uh, book yeah. as well, but you know, along the same lines, like that's such a huge project and, like that's a great idea, but how the heck would we even start to accomplish that? You know, it's so funny that the difference in people's first experience with snakes now versus 20, 30 years ago. So most people 20, 30 years ago, the first time they, their first experience with snakes were maybe they were like mine. You know, you go, you go to the circus and you get to put the big Burmese Python on your shoulder and take a picture somewhere. There's a picture floating around. Like I'm at a circus and I'm like eight, 
There's a berm on me. Nothing was done to scare me about it. Nothing, you know, or you may have watched documentaries back then. And it was just a documentary of an, an animal living. Like it wasn't attacking people. And now someone's first experience, if they were to see it, is usually something from YouTube or posted onto Facebook of it striking at the camera or killing something or biting somebody. I'm like, it's just such a different, it's so weird. It, it will affect how you think of that animal from that point on based on your first experience with that species. Yeah, someone at work today brought up that one retic video. I'm assuming it's that video. They said it was a, in a TikTok, and I'm like, wow, they moved it to TikTok? That's crazy. But it was about, you know, a big snake wrapping someone. I could, I'm like, oh, I know what that video was, yep. but it came up at work. And, anyway. that, and, that's, and that's someone's first experience with a snake right there. That's their first watching it. There's not some sort of like, you know, David Attenborough documentary watching the life cycle of King Cobras and how the mom guards her babies and then leaves and – None of that. It's this person getting bit by a retic in their house and bleeding all over the place and yelling. And going along with the lines of what Dan said is perception is the big thing. And that's not a very good perception. Yeah, exactly. So I, I did like that video. Kudos to you, Dan. And he had two pretty snakes in the, in the video. He just like I, I'm the down. weirdo that like looks at his background. I'm like, wow, do you live like up against a forest? Like, what? Well, what kills me is like, I'm like, oh, he put her down. He must put her down into a tub. No, he just put her on the ground and she roamed off somewhere. I know. I was looking. I'm like, I'm like, what's behind you? Can she go in there and hide in there? Like, this is a problem, Dan. Get her. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> this video is going on, and he's like, nah, she's fine. I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> too funny. Dan does their weekly videos, right? Or sometimes they do two a week, another week. I think he does one or two a week, yeah. They're good videos. He's really consistent, and it's either, like, showing off some of his animals that he has or just, you know, commentary on breeding or just a whole – honestly, just a whole bunch of different topics that are all reptile-related. Um, but he's a smart, intelligent guy and has, in my opinion, good viewpoints on stuff. So I always, you know, give kudos to him and check out his channel. Yeah, we had him on here. I loved having him on here. He was awesome. If you are into short tells or any of that, he's a great – or bloods, he's a great place to go watch videos. Even if you're not into those, he does a lot of videos like the one he just had that aren't species-specific. They're more hobby-based, and they're very good hobby-based uh, videos. So and For a I, while, he was uh, visiting a lot of other people's collections too and doing um, like other people co- uh, videos on other people's collections. So pretty cool. Gotcha. So that is, I think, all we had from YouTube this week. Uh, podcast. I got to listen to a po- like some podcasts this week. Holy so, crap. I know. Uh, how, wh- how did that even happen? <laughs> I have started listening to them in the shower, so there's like at least 10 minutes every day of listening <laughs> to a podcast. That's so funny. Hey, that uh, works, though. It works. And, uh, and uh, of course, I got my new speakers on my, my shop lights, so come in and clean cages. I'll throw a podcast on. Um so I did get to listen to a few. I know the one uh, you referenced, and then I realized, oh, yeah, I listened to that one, was the Reptile Room Confessions podcast. So did I. So that's a good one. That's uh, with, you know, Ryan and uh, Erica McVeigh, Ryan McVeigh from Zilla. Yep. And Bill and Teresa Bradley from Cold Black Exotics. Uh, they, that's their podcast, but they had Phil Goss on this week from the president of U.S. ARC. So... That was your podcast. You brought that up. What were the things you liked the most in that podcast? 
Um, really, it was going over, you know, what USARC is, why it's important. And a key takeaway, and this is actually something you alluded to earlier, is that there are millions of people that own reptiles. And if every single person that owned a reptile just donated $1, it would quadruple their budget to help fight, you know, any of the legislation that's going against us as a community. Um, and people just aren't, you know, and I think when it comes to, I'm, I'm thinking of all the people that have, you know, my friends from high school just got their son a leopard gecko. They're not going to know about all these laws and all these different things. And so they brought up also when you see posts on from US Arc to share it on your personal page instead of just reptile pages because there's other industries that people are interested in like uh, 4-H came up and and they have to go through some of the same things because like you said earlier PETA goes against anyone that's doing anything with animals so if you have people that volunteer at zoos or zookeepers that you know of um, they might want to help us as well so if we post that kind of thing and also put a call to action which is and whatever, I don't know, whatever your call to action might be, just asking someone to do something for you. Um, it, it will help more than possibly just, you know, putting it into a, a reptile specific group, especially, you know, we, we are, the friends that we have right now seem to be very like-minded. And so if you're just sharing it with amongst your friends that are like-minded, they probably already know about it. So if you go and share it with other people from different communities and, you know, even like your family members, if they love you, it's going to be, it's like, does your family love you? Will they help you? <laughs> That's not what I mean. But, you know, if um, your, your family loves and supports you and so they're going to, you know, if they don't know that something that you love so much is being attacked, then, you know, they don't know if they can do anything or not. And then if you share that, on your personal page, share that with, you know, just informing people of what's going on. Then they have an opportunity that maybe they didn't have before to actually help and do something. Um, so that, that was honestly my huge takeaway was just giving even a little bit is going to go a long way if everyone does it. And then um, sharing what's going on with the laws and the community, especially like the heroes act. That's like an 1800 page legislature that they tried to pass. Now, mind you, it didn't get passed or anything like that, but on page like 1654 or some nonsense like that, that's when they put in the, um, the little snippet about the Lacey Act stuff again. Well, it, it passed the House, but thank goodness the Senate didn't pass it. Right, and that's like a whole other political different <laughs> right, story right, right, on right. that. But Yeah, it, it didn't get stopped because they care about snakes. No. No, it we, didn't. We, we, lucked, we, lucked, we lucked out that it got stopped, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's it's letting other people know that maybe aren't into reptiles the stuff that's going on and you know when when you sneak in those different clauses into a huge bill that's how weird things get passed because you know they can do this is I mean this is just really grabbing out of thin air here but like doing some gay rights bill and everyone thinks that's a great idea. And then they'll slide something in that maybe would be really hard to pass on its own, but because everyone wants to, to pass the gay rights thing, then, you know, it'll get passed just because it's snuck in there with it. Does well, that, they do that Yeah, they do that all yeah, the time. It's called a writer. Yeah. yeah. Look at you. I knew. But, because Robert, then, you would know. You're a political guy. Because then the ones that wrote the bill. Sometimes a little too much. <laughs> 
It's okay. I like it. <laughs> but then the ones that wrote the bill, what they'll do is they'll go out in public and go, see, look, the other side doesn't care about you because they don't want this to happen. When in reality, they, the other side read the whole bill and realized, oh, shit, there's about 15 other things in here that no one knows right. is going to happen. So, well, and, and that's and, like the other political can of worms oh. that. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast exactly yeah. that's a whole other <laughs> I, try, I try my hardest not to talk politics on here so that's, that's as far as we go on politics is is when they mess with us with what we're doing but another another thing about sharing it i shared it on my facebook my personal i shared it on our group on our on our facebook page and i shared it on my personal one because it was the u.s arc uh one for alabama and i and i grew up in mm-hmm. alabama and so i know a lot of people on my facebook page are from alabama so i did share it there um but i think so many times that uh, in our hobby, a lot of us, we surround ourselves mainly with people from the hobby. So it seems like everyone knows that this is happening. This is out there. It's, it's happening. We got to stop it. But not everybody knows it. It's just everybody in your circle knows it. And it may seem like because everyone in your circle knows it, the whole world knows it. But in reality, that's like point point zero 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 five percent of the people actually know that there's a bill that they're trying to pass to outlaw snakes. You need to get everyone else to know what's happening and start a conversation there. And so, yeah, share that stuff. Um, we say each week if you're about US Arc, if you're not, yeah. go like their page, follow them. I think it's too late in Florida for Tegu owners, isn't it? It's it over. Is, Te- yes. Tegu's and Iguanas, yeah. it's mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Green Iguanas only, though, right? Green yes. Iguanas. Yeah, Green Iguanas, all Tegu's. I think y'all talked about that on Joe's podcast. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that, that passed, unfortunately. And, and it, it sucks because. Again, as with most laws, when they put a law like that in place, it's not hurting the people that actually caused the law to come into place. Nope. It's hurting the innocent people that were doing the right thing from day one, and now they're being punished because of some idiots. Yep. You know, There's tons of people that own tegus that take care of their tegus immensely, and they're amazing pets. Uh, and and I'll I'll even throw in a green iguana. I've seen plenty of people with green iguanas that they take great care of their green iguanas. Yeah. Um, and, and outlawing them now as pets is fucking ridiculous. Because, I mean, that's like, oh no, the dam bursts and everything's flooding. You know <laughs> right. what? Throw a rock out there. That might slow it down. No. You know, the iguanas are there. If I go throw a green iguana right now out in Miami, no one's going to notice the one I threw out there. Yeah. No. You know, weren't they falling from trees and stuff? Yeah, they got they got they got too cold. Yeah, they yeah. got too cold. And fell. They didn't die. They weren't. Some were dying, but most of them didn't die. They just their body shut down. They fell out of the trees, and when they warmed back up, they were alive again. Yep. A lot of people collected a lot of iguanas those days for and made money off of them. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, you you put a law. You, this law gets passed off scare tactics, and the and we've talked about before the number one person fighting for the law to pass is PETA. The, all these laws that are against what we're doing, I guarantee you PETA is connected well, in some way. Don't discount the HSUS either. Yeah. They, they have more money than PETA and uh, they're, they're just as bad. Yeah, the sad oh, puppy. that's another thing they brought up too was the the difference in how much money those organizations have to oh, how yeah. much that you know US Arc is. Well, is it, was like, it, was, it was a difference between they talk about the difference between animal welfare and animal well being, or well, wow, I forget how they worded it, but basically, animal would it just be animal, animal rights, rights compared to animal, animal welfare? welfare yeah, yeah. So, HSUS's budget last year was a hundred million dollars. That's crazy. All those sad puppy commercials make them a lot of money. 
But what they don't tell you in the sad puppy commercials is they're going to kill all those sad puppies. Just heads up. They own no shelters. They only kill dogs. They don't take care of them. So when you give your money to them, go, I'm going to help these poor puppies. What you really did was you paid the rich guy who has nothing to do with the puppies and the poor guy ended up killing the puppy anyways, because they own zero shelters. I've always said, if you want to give any money, if you, if you love dogs and cats and you want to help out dogs, cats, find your local uh, shelters or your local um, foster uh, home type deals and ask them what they need. It may be your old sheets or your old towels or whatever. You can donate that stuff. Um, but don't give to the humane, just the humane society because that in no way is going to ever help animals. PETA did $50 million in total revenue last year. That's amazing because I'm pretty sure they're a nonprofit, right? They are. Yeah. Total revenue, 50 million. And they had 55 million in operating expenses. And so being a nonprofit, they don't pay taxes, right? Right. That's a lot of money to not pay taxes on. Yeah. yeah. They spent 20 million of that 50 million on developing more membership. Hmm. So they can make more money. Right. Right. Yeah. I have a friend who's an accountant and he says nonprofits are the, the worst uh, offenders as far as basically stealing money uh, that he's ever seen. And he's done a bunch of them. He's been an accountant for 30 years. It always kills me how they get away with not having to pay taxes. Yep. And I, and I, and I don't want to get overly, but like, churches too yeah i was gonna say that he said churches and men and nonprofit organizations. And i'm not i'm not talking about like the little neighborhood church which grandma goes to and like 50 people are in there and they hope to make enough money in the plate to pay the electric bill i'm not talking about that right but you, you live in texas i'm talking about mega churches oh yeah go to dallas and you can see i mean they're everywhere that's a business that's oh, not yeah. a nonprofit. that's a business yeah you didn't build that building off of just grandma's putting a dollar in the plate each week no same. So, I mean, like PETA and Humane Society, they didn't build their business by. You, you, didn't buy, you didn't buy the former home of the Rockets and turn it into a church in Houston <laughs> <laughs> off grandma's donation. And yeah. then tell folks when, uh, when Houston was flooding, you can't come here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's. But with that said, U.S. ARC, which is a nonprofit, as we shit on nonprofits, is taking that money and turning right back around. And using it to pay out, pay their lawyers to fight for these. And they've won. They've won many things. Yes, we did not get this thing in Florida. Florida won that one. But, I mean, there's a reason that you can still transfer big snakes across state lines now. That's U.S. ARC. And another thing to add to that, when um, that whole thing was going, what was that, like 2015 maybe? Yeah. I'm not sure. But when we were fighting that specific, like the amendment to the Lacey Act, um, the people who were members in U.S. ARC were able to still ship across uh, state lines. But if you weren't a member during that fight, they shut it down and you couldn't do it. So there's benefits to being a member as well. Um, just a little tidbit there to know. And like we said, it's not, it's not a lot of money. Like you said, if, if it's 100,000 people, if 100,000 people out of the million that own reptiles, if 100,000 gave $5, $5 January 1st, and you never give them any money the rest of the year. That's it. That's $500,000 for them to operate on that year. Yeah. That's an insane amount of money compared to what they're operating on right now. I'm looking at their U.S. ARC's financials now. The last one they have up is 2015, and it was only $352,000 that year. That's crazy. And it's it's insanely expensive for these fights for them to – I mean, because – 
the people that are fighting to have the laws passed, trust me, have money. We've already talked about PETA and the Humane Society. They've got money. Oh, yeah. And so, again, if, if you are breeding, if you are a vendor at a reptile show anywhere in this country and you are selling something reptile-related, whether it be the animal or supplies, you need to give something to U.S. Arc. Just something. Yes. Not, I'm not asking you to give 100 bucks each month or whatever. Something. Just because the, they're fighting for your right to be able to be at that show and sell that stuff and keep the animals you have at home. And so it's only right to do it. And don't look at it as, well, I don't want to give them my money. I don't know where it's going. I'm telling you where it's going. It's going so you can keep your animals. 100% that's where it's going. Yes, it is. So that was and a good. Okay. Another thing that they brought up was policing each other in the hobby and what is appropriate policing and what is not. <laughs> so appropriate policing would be like what Travis did to me, where he talked to me about like what I did that probably wasn't a good look for the industry, right? Which we're talking about the, the snake bite that I had. Right. My cat is going to dump a whole entire soda. Hold on one second. <laughs> but I, uh, I started listening to their podcast some, and I really like, like their podcast. I do too. It's an interesting dynamic. You got two couples there. And I mean, you know, Ryan McVeigh is very uh, much entwined into the whole reptile community. I mean, it's Zilla. That is, that's their company. I mean, it's reptiles. Um, and even though I am not someone who goes and buys a lot of uh, that stuff because I just, I work on a different level than having that. But I mean, look at all the people that have like dart frogs or like, like crested gecko breeders. You watch any of these crested gecko breeder videos online. It's just like Zilla and Zuma like front opening cages in tons of them. I can't imagine that I'm working off tubs and racks and all, but I can't imagine all these glass ones with, with UV lights and lights. Like it's, it's crazy setups. Um, but Zilla does a lot of cool things and there's a lot of cool uh, products that they've produced for just reptiles. And so it's, I, I really appreciate a company like that who, who is producing stuff basically just for us. Whereas like, you know, a lot of, for a long time, reptile stuff got produced by the same people that produced hamster stuff. And so they, they, they don't care. They're producing whatever they think reptile people need. Whereas someone like Zilla is producing what reptile people say they need. And, uh, if you ever get to watch some of their videos that they do where they show their, where they test that stuff out at the Zilla headquarters, some pretty cool things that they have going on there. April, did you make it back? Yeah, I made it back. (laughs) 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 I tell you what, get a cat. They say, um, we we have two also. So I feel you. Oh my goodness. I went to Taco Bell. She likes playing with ice. And so if there's ice in a cup, she wants to fish for it. She ends up dumping a lot of beverages. Um, <laughs> but anyway, what I was talking about before was um, policing in the hobby and like what is a good way to do it and what is not a good way to do it. So a good way to do it is like I said, how Travis confronted me um, like face-to-face with it or when you confront someone face-to-face. A bad example is when I was talking about Brian Cusco's video of his daughter getting bit and I didn't talk to him about it. That is a bad example of it. So I need to do better. Um, but you know, policing, going to the source and being polite about it. And some people just don't know, like they brought up uh, the, an example, and I don't 
think names were given or anything like that. But someone posted a picture of a species that actually is illegal to keep in the United States. And they just had no idea because he confronted that person said, hey, just so you know, that's not legal. You probably shouldn't be posting that on Instagram. I'm wondering if what he was talking about was the fire snail. Did you see that go around? Mm-mm. There's someone who they're they're huge like land snail and they're black I've with seen, red I've bodies. Actually, I've seen really large snails all of a sudden go across my feet a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> and they're and they're illegal to import into the United States. And I saw that go up. And I'm like, and it looked like it was from an American. I was like, uh, I don't think you can have that. Yeah. So he so he confronted the person, whoever it was, for whatever animal it was, um, and said, you know that that's not not a good look <laughs> in, in more or less words. Right. And, and that, that's, that's illegal. And that person didn't even know. And then, and then they took it down. It wasn't, you know, confrontational or anything like that. So, you know, don't be afraid to talk to someone about it because they might just not know. And some people might, you know, tell you to fuck off and, you know, you're a dick or whatever it might be. But I don't think that's the majority of people. Well, it so, goes goes back to kind of when we're talking about things you'd like to see change in the hobby and we talked about uh, how people deal with other people uh, if you see something on Facebook that you, you disagree with don't go into it argumentatively don't go in looking for a fight and don't do it on the, you know private message them and then because Facebook the way they work type on their post uh, PM to you because you know like you send somebody a private message you're not friends with them you may never see it if you don't actually go look <laughs> yeah. for it so if you do that to me, tell tell me in a comment you PM'd me. <laughs> um, I'm notorious for that. But so yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Talk to them and and, and get the whole story. I, I, a lot of times, again, people just comment on a picture and they they'll tear someone apart and like you didn't get the whole story of what that picture is or what's happening or. And sometimes, yeah, maybe the person's wrong and they they don't know. Again, it goes back to you don't know what you don't know. I saw one a couple weeks ago where a guy had a heat rock in and people started lighting him up and he put another picture up. It didn't have a cord. <laughs> I'm just using it as a rock. Y'all calm down. Nice. Oh, so that was a good uh, podcast. I really, I really have, again, I've appreciated that podcast. There's so many podcasts now. It's crazy. And again, I kind of have to, at this point, when I search for podcasts, I have to base it on topic or who they're interviewing or whatever. Um, just because there's so many of them, I can't fit all of them in. And that's a good problem to have a, a wealth of knowledge, you know, a serve an overabundance of knowledge is good. Yep. Uh, I did enjoy the from the ground up podcast this past week. It was his 4th of July episode. He had two uh, veterans on. He had uh, Austin Warwick and Bill Bradley, who we talked about was on the, that's his podcast, the reptile room confessions podcast. Um, but that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Uh, they talked about those moments and we've talked about before the mo- the moments that make you want to quit the hobby uh, mm-hmm. when horrible things happen. And, and they're like, Ooh, I almost quit. It was just interesting listening to it. It's always interesting to hear other people talk about it. Cause again, those are negatives and people don't tend to embrace or talk about their negatives publicly. Uh, and I think those are, you should because other people can learn from them. Yeah, but so many people like shame you for things, right? And I've talked about it with me being transparent about the virus thing. Like, I'm sure I'm on so many people's like do not buy from list because I was transparent about something, you know, and it and that sucks. Yes. And I understand it as well. Like I get both sides of the coin on that one. Um, But that puts almost like a a fear that people are going to be judged or rejected or whatever it might be if you're trying to share something that, you know, 
happens to more than just one person. It, do, it wasn't just you. I can guarantee you that. And other people can learn from it. And, and that's one reason I share that type of stuff. So it's like you're not alone and someone else has gone through it and come out the other end and still is keeping and doing okay. You know, that's, that's kind of why I'm as transparent as I am about that whole ordeal. But that was so, a side note and tangent. Sorry. No. So, so Robert, have you had one of those, uh, I want to quit and just forget it moments? Uh, I had a bunch of rats die recently, mysteriously. And it kind of made me want to quit breeding rats. And then I remembered how much I used to pay for rats and it changed my mind. That's right. But, uh, you breed rats. We talked about, I want to talk about that at one point. I do. Uh, uh I can't do that. I, I will say we, we had mentioned the freedom breeder up episode with, uh, Garrett Hartle last week. Mm-hmm. They, they put out a second one this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is still, which is kind of like you said, it is kind of like an infomercial for Freedom Breeder, but uh, it's still neat to listen to. Don't uh, blame them for that. Whatsoever. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> I spend thousands and thousands of dollars of Freedom Breeder every week, so yeah. It <laughs> it still doesn't make me want to breed rats. I've watched both videos now, and at no point have I been like, you know what, you swayed me. I want to uh, smell like rat piss. My my rats don't smell at all. People always come in and they're like, man, they don't stink at all. But I take a lot of steps to make that happen. And so you I have like a, a crazy circulation system? I, I do. And I also have uh, what I use for the bedding. And, and I use an additive that cuts the ammonia down completely. Like even even my mice, I have a few mice. You can't smell them unless you put your face right down there, which See, I don't know why you would want to. That's my problem. Is I'd have to produce mice. Right. Have, and, and everyone knows they smell worse. Worse. That's why I, I, have, a, I have four colonies of ASFs. And the ASF, you can use them like mice. They just don't grow as fast. Yeah, but they don't smell at all. That's what I've heard. But then I've heard the the production level is not the same. It's not. I mean, once you get them going, yeah, their first few uh, litters are usually not great. Uh, you know, first couple of litters, half the time they don't survive, or the mom doesn't know how to take care of them. But now that mine are going, I've got more than I know what to do with. Um, I'm posting all the Facebook groups trying to sell some because it's more than I can use. And, That's what uh, I'm afraid is going to happen is I'll just have this like surplus that I just don't need. Yeah. I sell a lot of, but you know, the way I look at it is um, it allows me to feed my collection for free. Mm-hmm. And you could always, you April, you could always freeze them. And if someone made some sort of container that you could put mice into and then euthanize them yeah. to then freeze them, that would be really handy. Especially like a, you know, a black PVC one where you can't see them and you don't have to watch them while they're dying. See, that's true. And all, all you have to do is hook up a bottle to it and, and yeah. be done. I have to say that actually is a very good selling point yeah. <laughs> is that you don't have to see it. You don't have to see it. And <laughs> although they, they, they just pass out though. So it's yeah. not like it's yeah, gruesome. It's, yeah. Heads no. don't explode. It's not. Yeah. If you do it right, you know, you don't dump the CO2 on them. You, you gradually introduce it so that they don't feel like they're suffocating. And, you know, I, I, I put them in the black, the black container, close the lid and to them it's dark and they feel secure and then they just go to sleep. And then and it sucks it. the life out of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to put you in this box. You're going to be really comfortable, but you're going to not coming back out. So, um, I really think that's an awesome idea. I, that's not something I've seen out there. Yeah. I, was um, just clear one. I probably shouldn't have said anything yet, but you know, screw it. Okay. You said it on here yep. and if anybody copies it now that we know they're copying you and I don't care if anybody out there says they've been doing it for years, uh, you're still copying Robert because we said it. <laughs> Well, thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, I'm never going to buy one because I'm not breeding rats. There you go. But anybody out there breeding them, you should. And then you should sell me some for super cheap. There you go. Noted. 
I, uh, the only way I would do it is if it was I had a big enough piece of property where if they were on the other end of the property, one where I'd have to get into like a golf cart to get to. Jesus Christ, April. Far away. I want them far away so I don't have to smell them. Because I would get a ventilation system. And now, Robert, I would ask you if I decided to do that, what additive you add in there. Um, to yeah, It's it's literally eight bucks for a 20-pound bag at it's poopery, Tractor puts- Supply. And it, uh, it kind of is the same thing as poopery, but uh, it's called PD, amazing, it's called PDZ. Yes. It's uh, it, they use it in horse stalls. I used to use it in horse stalls growing up, oh. so I already knew what it was. And you sprinkle it underneath the bedding, and it huh. like literally takes all the smell away. That's wonderful because yeah. that that's a huge thing. That and then overproduction. That's that's yeah, you know, and then time. Right for me it would be a huge time thing so that I would have to have a different life style. That's my problem is time. I just, I don't, I can't put the time into, although now I guess it's easier for you, Robert, now that your job is building racks and taking care of, like you're, you're at home. I don't want to downplay the time you spend building racks. I know that is, is a lot, but it's different than going to work, coming home and then doing stuff. Yes. I, I try to do it in the morning before it gets too hot and it takes about, I only have, let's see, six, 12, 13, 14, 14 colonies of rats or, you know, tubs of rats and four ASFs and one mouse, little mouse tub. And it takes about two hours to clean it from beginning to end. So, so how often don't... are you cleaning them? About, uh, every, about once a week. Okay. Um, I try to do, never go more than nine days. So, uh, cause then even though that stuff neutralizes the ammonia smell, there's still ammonia there and they can right. suffocate from too much ammonia even though I have five fans blowing on them right now, they're not going to build up ammonia in there because they are in my garage and it's hot, but Mm -hmm. the the fans help a lot. And, and, uh, um, but I figure that two hours to me is worth not spending the 80 to a hundred dollars. I was spending every week on rats. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of money. I don't spend that much. Yeah. Um, so are you on your callings? Are you using like a, a V70 or freedom breeder 70 size tub? Is that what you're using? Everything I have right now are in the concrete tubs from Home Depot. Gotcha. Except for my mice, and a, I have a grow-out rack for ASFs that are the uh, the Reptile Basics rodent tubs with the the built-in, you know, the lid with the food tray. The hopper that. and all. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I've got a couple of those, but I built a rack that they just all slide into. That's cool. I couldn't do it, but more power to you. <laughs> well, my, my kid, my 10 year old, he, he loves dealing with them. And so I've kind of made it his business. Like I pay him a little bit to do the work and stuff so that he gets something out of it. And he sees that, you know, working hard pays off and he just bought an Alterna with some of the money that he made at the last show. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that it, it, there, I have more to it than just breeding rats. It, there's, I have long-term goals for him with that. I tried to convince my daughter into breeding mice. I even had some tubs that I just threw away. I was like, screw it. I'm not going to do it. She, she, she wasn't into it. I was like, look, I'll pay you for them. And she's like, no, I'm like, Oh, well I'm not doing it. (laughs) Good try. (laughs) It was worth a try. try. (laughs) And I hate mice because hopper mice are the worst. They're like the devil. They're the worst thing in the world to deal with. Yes. Because by golly, can they hop? They can hop and they're just nimble enough that if you pick them up by the tail, they can just flip right around and bite you. Yep. And uh, I can't stand them. Um, I've got about 10 of them in my tub right now that um, I got to go deal with when we're done. You're like, please grow and grow fast. Thank you. Yeah. They're not going to get the chance there. They're going to, they're going to go get a hug tonight. So when I have, um, 
baby bloods or short tails, the size that they should eat really for their first meal is a hopper mouse. Mm -hmm. But the hoppers are so fast and the babies are so dumb (laughs) that it just does not work out if I have to do a live feeding because these little guys are hopping out of the way and the snakes just are not successful. Some of them are, but I'm like, oh man, this this is not the way to go for these guys. Yeah, It's one of those like, how do you survive in the wild? Yeah, yeah, it really is. A hog nose, if I give it a hopper, uh, it's never going to eat because, you know, A, they don't constrict, so they have to fight it the whole time they're trying to eat it, which is brutal. And they can't catch them half the time because they're just dumb and slow. And yep. I look at them all the time, and I'm like, how do you survive in the wild? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So last thing I have on here, I think I know the video you're talking about. You talk about the cat with the corn snake. Is that the one with the cat sitting in the chair? Corn yes. snake climbs on it, and the cat realizes what it is and freaks out? Yeah, some guy's holding the corn snake by the tail. Horrible video. Yes, and he's just running that snake all over that cat. Luckily, the cat didn't have a negative response and killed and grab a hold of the corn snake. But it just—it's been posted in all of the snake ID groups that I'm in on Facebook, twenty, thirty times that I've seen this week. To the point that in one of the groups they posted, whoever keeps posting this, I'm kicking you out of the group. Yeah, but see, uh, now it's also showing up like on timelines, not in Facebook groups. Yes. And just people on my timeline, I'll see it every now and then. Yeah. I apologize if you guys can hear them mowing grass right outside my door at 8 o'clock this evening. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering, like, do you have, like, are you next to a B-52? I didn't know what was out yeah. there. Yeah, no, apparently my lawn people are here at 8 o'clock. Well, it's really hot out, and it's yeah. still kind of light, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it is really hot. For any of y'all living up north, I appreciate you listening to this podcast, but fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I was I was in, in Virginia. My goodness, a couple, James. <laughs> no, I was in Virginia a couple weeks ago, and I was visiting my parents. We sat outside, and it was kind of a little bit chilly. I was like, "Man, this was like seventy degrees with a breeze." I was like, "Oh, it's amazing." And then I come home, and it's today was okay. First off, can we all agree to get rid of actual temperatures and just yeah. deal with heat index? Because heat index That's is what the, it feels like. <laughs> heat index is the only thing I'm worried about. Yeah. Today it felt like 107, I think, or 109, something like that. Oh, you're making me curious what it was for me. Too when damn I, hot. When I parked at my PVC vendor, their bay doors face the west, and it was like 4 p.m., and it's all concrete, big concrete walls. Oh. My, my truck said 110 is the temperature that it was reading. So it's one of those when you get out, it just takes your breath away because it's so hot. And I look at my wife, and I'm like, why do we live here? <laughs> I, say, I that, say that all the time i say that all the time and then i'm like i don't like snow enough to deal with snow ever if you were like it doesn't always snow i'm like yeah but it does snow sometime up up north and i i don't want to have to like drive in it or shovel a driveway or well anything. i was hoping it was going to be better in colorado this weekend at the show but it's going to be a 97 100 104 yeah, yeah, 104 but, but but it won't be humid 12 percent humidity yeah that's another thing uh, is people up north go oh well it gets 100 degrees up here and we have humidity. You don't have humidity. No. Stop it. I live in Louisiana. <laughs> I live in a swamp. Yeah. I could catch humidity in a bucket out here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people understand how fast you can start sweating when you walk outside of your house down here. Yeah. Like, I can't get to my car before I'm sweating. Yeah. You know, again, still not going to move up north. I'm still going to stay down here and deal with, I mean, because we have air conditioning. If, it, if we didn't have air conditioning, yeah, I'd be gone. But uh, yeah. I just live inside during the summer. So Me I just had to throw that out there because I was up north and my aunt was talking about how hot. It was like, it was like 80 degrees up there. And we were like, 
She's like, it's hot and humid. And my dad had just moved up there from Louisiana. And he looked at me and he goes, no, no, it's not. I was like, thank you. No, it's not. That's like when Californians say it's cold and it's 60 degrees. Oh, my God. I could live in 60 year-round. James, the high, the high in Chicago today was 81. Shut the fuck up, Chicago. All <laughs> yeah, of y'all. I hate all of them. <laughs> no, it's like 95. I'm going to be 95 all week, basically. I mean, me. you give me 60 degrees all year with a slight breeze, and I'm in heaven. I went to college I mean, I'd be in good San at like Diego. 65. Look, I'm telling you right now, it is 8.09 right now, and it, is a, it feels like 103 degrees outside. Yeah. What were you saying about San Diego? I went to college in San Diego where it's 75 degrees every day. We have an air conditioner in our house because there's maybe three or four days out of the whole year that you feel like you might need an air conditioner. Yeah. Could, could you imagine, though, living here without an air conditioner? Oh. No. No. There'd be you no wouldn't move. Oh. You would just, like, lay down under a fan spread eagle. <laughs> just, like, not moving, just laying there. Houston didn't become anything until the invention of air conditioning because nobody wanted to live here. Oh. And with the invention of air conditioning, that's what made Houston the port a viable place well, and made I, it grow. I teach in a high school that was built in 1915. So giant, it looks like the, like a high school from like Greece, big old marble, huge columns. Like, I don't think it had air conditioning until the eighties. And I'm thinking, holy shit, this would have been horrible. I don't care how many windows you open. That's miserable. And then I think about the people that do ambient room temperature for their snakes. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Nope. <laughs> I, I was cleaning it, snakes at 82 degrees yesterday. That was fun. I keep it 75 in there, and that's warm enough. My house is set at like 70, 68 to 70. Yeah, me and too. It's, it's reading like 77, 75 on, on the snake side of my snake room, and that's about as warm as I'm willing to sit in. Yeah. I just made the mistake of looking at San Diego. It's high of 77 today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, fuck you, San Diego. Yeah. Am I listening? Yeah. Oh. So, anyways, oh, the cat thing. I had something. I was going somewhere with that, and I forgot where I was going with that. But I did see that video. Oh, I know where I was going with that. Uh, people, I know no one listening to this is actually doing it, but tell other people, stop posting pictures of your dog and your cat with your snake. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. Because, you know, it's funny. We had the chat the other day. It was in our, in our private chat with uh, April and some of our friends, and there was the video of, like, a, a little, a, I don't know, she was probably seven, six or seven, and a retic coming out of a cage, like across her lap and all. And, and part of my brain goes, yeah, that's probably not the safest. And the other part goes, I get it. The, the kid does, doesn't really smell like food, doesn't really look like food. I know it's small, but still. But your furry pet animals most definitely smell like food. And, yeah. and then they also have their instinct of wanting to fight or kill whatever's coming. To, like, so, so many things can go wrong when it's an animal versus animal versus a kid in an animal. Like, you can't tell your dog, all right, don't bite the snake, and it go, okay, I won't. No. I don't care how many try, how many pictures you're trying to get of your cute snack as you boop its snoot with your <laughs> pet cat that has cheeseburger or whatever it is. But uh, I, I'm, I just scrolled down on Facebook on my computer, and right here in the Houston Reptile Group, question, is a frowned upon to kiss your snake like on its head? <laughs> go for it. Go yeah. for it. Somebody said, are you taking it out to dinner first? Just please, just please don't film it and put it on the internet. That's all I ask. You can private message me the video. I'd love to see you watch it get bit on the face. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that one with the cat, 
it definitely makes you like, you're like, oh God, please don't bite it. Please don't bite it. Either one. You don't want the snake to bite the cat. You don't want the cat to bite the snake. Um, no. And those, those, those are done and they think it's funny and cute. At no point they measure, they don't measure out, first off, what bad can go wrong and how bad it looks to the general public. Right. And then other people want to try and emulate it because they thought it was cute. And, and then it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm really scared that one day my snake is going to get my cat. I'm really scared of that. No, I don't think they like ball sacks. <laughs> oh. I, really, I had this vision yesterday when I was cleaning um, my Burmese python, who's pretty big at this point. Um, and obviously, I lock my cats out of the room, whatever, because they sneak in. You guys see it all the time. They come in um, when everything's all closed up. Anyway, I had the big snake out, and I just, I don't know, it, it just flashed in my head that my cat was going to lean up against the door, and it wasn't latched all the way, and it was going to open, and she was going to come in, and she'd be snake food. I, I don't, that's, that was a terrible thought. See, my dogs are, my, our smaller dog knows, like, my dogs learn pretty quick not to come in the reptile room. Um, and with the new house, it doesn't have a door on the reptile room. Well, I'm going to get one eventually, but I don't know. We bought one of those taller, uh, like, child gates. Yeah. That that has like the swinging door in the middle of it. Like you press the button, you can swing it open. So uh-huh. it's easier to get in and out. And so I have that. So I open and close that all the time when I'm in here. I close it whenever I'm in here. Um, but that's one of my things I teach them pretty quick is don't come in. And my puppy, she's she knows she's not supposed to because she'll come in. Like if someone comes to visit and they walk in, they don't close the gate. She'll come in with them. All I got to do is say her name and then she like runs out. Uh, but that's one of the first things I teach dogs. Our old dog used to lay with just his nose on the threshold and his body outside of the room. My like, cats are unlike teachable. If I yell at them, they look at me with this like, look like, Oh, that upsets you too bad. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, Cause that's, they're cats. That's why I like dogs. Dogs are dumb and they love you. And it's great. Cats don't care if you exist. Well, I yeah, always they, say that they don't I, care have, if I yell at them. I always say that I have one of the cats trained to get on the steps of the stairs so I can pet it, but I'm pretty sure it has me trained. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah. This dude exactly. will pet me. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I think that is all I had. Either one of y'all have anything else for the week? No, sir. So Robert, James. Uh, as our new, <laughs> as our new sponsor, uh, what is a way that people can reach out to you and go ahead and fill up your calendar even more with you making snake racks? Well, I'll be at uh, the Herp show. Let's see. I'm looking at the list now. Pueblo. I'm on the waiting list for Austin. for the, It's the following weekend. I'm definitely going to be in Corpus and Oklahoma City. Those are both in August. I hear the Corpus show is a good one. I haven't made it down there. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And uh, from what I understand, there's only one other rack vendor besides me that will be at that one. Um, I'll be at New Orleans September 12th and 13th. I'll be at Conroe. I doubt I'll be vending Conroe. I'll be um, at Conroe. Yeah. In New Orleans. And uh, Waco, which is uh, an, also in October. Um, Slidell, I'm on the waiting list for. Lake Charles, I'm not doing because that is opening weekend of deer season, and that is the only <laughs> weekend that I don't work. Um, Stafford, Austin in December. Stafford, Stafford's a new show. That'll be the first Stafford show, I think. It'll be the third Stafford show. So the third Stafford show? Second. Okay. Second. The last like, one got canceled. Got canceled. Yeah, I knew one yeah. got canceled, and I couldn't remember if they had already had one before that or not. But Sean told me that it is – maybe Lori told me that uh, as far as vendor numbers, it's going to be almost as big as Conroe. Well, yeah, it's their it's their Conroe South. 
it's 10 minutes from my house. That's what I like about it. But they talk about how it's so different because if anybody doesn't know the, the geography of Texas, Conroe is just north of Houston and Stafford is just south of Houston. Yes. Um, with, they're still basically, they're still basically Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was talking to Sean, he says it's just so different from. Well, they're, they're an hour and a half apart and they're yeah. still in the Houston area. But, you know, Houston is an hour away from Houston. So, yeah. Um, it's a horrible place to drive through. Right. That okay. That statement confused the crap out of me, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." No, it's, <laughs> I, I've driven. I've driven through there with traffic, and and I hated every minute of it. Yeah, I think the I think our Beltway is like two hundred miles long or some crap like that. Um, just that, that's the that's the not even the big Beltway. The big one they're building is double that. Anyway, um, also uh, www.lsreptileracks.com. And I'm also on Instagram, Facebook under Lone Star Reptile Rex. I do a lot on Instagram. I post, I try to post every day uh, when I have time. Um, I'm trying to get to a thousand followers. I looked a little while ago and I was at 666 uh, followers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see if I got, if I added to that, I did. I'm at 668 now. So we're good. Um, (laughs) When I get to a thousand, I'm going to give away a free rack. Oh, awesome. I need a free rack. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, so Instagram, the website, uh, my phone number, my cell phone number is on the website. If anybody wants to call me, text me, um, you know, if they can feel free, I'm, I'm going to answer any questions. I even said on my website, the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. That's not true. You've never been a teacher. Trust That's me. A good point. That's a good, I was a cop though, man. I've, I've heard oh, a lot of them. I, I always, I used to, people always go, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Ask a teacher. I can give you a list of them. <laughs> Promise well, you they're out there. And I do custom, you know, as, as much as I can. It can't be too crazy, but, um, you know, I do custom racks. People, There's a lot of people that have ordered, they'll order tubs and then think they're going to build their own rack until they realize that they don't have the skill to build their own rack. It's not or as the easy. the tools, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I imagine you have, like, a jig set up for this size rack, and you can knock right. out, you know. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you, the hardest thing on a rack is spacing. Yes. I, I've tried it before when I've built them. You're like, oh, and you end up either having way too much. You're like, oh, shit, this thing's going to get out of that. Or not enough. You're like, I can only open this tub when, you know, it's cold and everything shrinks and I can pull the tub out. Right. I, and, you know, I had a I had an issue with that um, because I build, I build them. I cut them. Where they're cut at is not air conditioned, but where I build them is. So that PVC, when I let it acclimate inside where it's cooler, it shrinks a little bit. And if I bring a hot piece in and try and put it on a piece that's cold, the stuff doesn't fit together right. I have to let it acclimate to the room. Um, Just a learning curve. Learning curve. Learning curve, definitely. But I have a lot. Of, I've had several customers. I had one yesterday who he bought some tubs from the container store and realized that he didn't have the skill or the know-how to build a rack like he thought he did. He tried to build one out of melamine. He said, when I let go of it, it oh. fell apart. And, uh, I, I hate melamine with a passion. Yeah, so do I. And uh, so I'm building him a, a rack for those specific tubs from the container store and shipping it to him. And he was amazed. He said, you're like the sixth person I've contacted. And most of them don't even message me back. I wish I had a container store. Although I, I kind of wish I don't. I think I'd spend way too much money on tubs and shit that I don't need. Well, like their six quart, their version of the six quart shoe box is five bucks. Where as the Sterilite one at anywhere else is a dollar. Yeah, but it's also flat bottomed and it's you, it's just a higher quality tub. Well, they also have like, like some of the cool like I say cool like this is how, how nerdy I am just about supply stuff. But like they don't have the soft like the hard plastic. They have the hard plastic like uh, restaurant style containers. 
yes. that are super clear, crystal clear to see through. Like those yeah, would be cool. Polycarbonate. Yeah. Yeah. We have, well, there's like 10 restaurant supply stores in Houston and I actually have a place I get those from because I have done some polycarbonate rat tubs because those work great for rodents because they can't chew through them. Yeah. And they're autoclavable. Like that's how sterile you can get them. Um, so yeah, they're just expensive. You know, they're 20, 25 they're, bucks. A yeah. Time. They're not cheap. They're not no. cheap. No. Um, I did. Oh, one thing I did post this past week and I'm going to just because it's fun to talk about myself. Uh, I, I, I made a shelf. I made, I made a shelf out of cutting boards on my racks and I, I was super happy with myself. Took two cutting boards, glued them together and they fit right between my two stackable racks. And it comes in super handy for like writing down feedings. Like when I'm going through feeding babies, I go, this one ate, this one didn't eat. Uh, and so that was really neat and easy to do. And then command, I found command hooks to be my best friend. You're welcome. Yeah, those things I, are amazing. I do. I have three of the ones that you you showed me uh, for hanging. I got one where I put my dustpan and broom is on one. My tongs, my big long tongs are on one. My hooks are on one. Yeah, I need to, I need the spray bottle one at some point. But yeah, I love command hooks. And then I was able to hang up my small hook on the side of my rack. So now that I can find it always instead of it just like searching the room for where the small hook ended up. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Because I know people out there have had that problem. They reach in, they, they hook the animal, they put it in their hand, and they just set the hook wherever. And then they forget where they put it. And it's like, yeah, like, on, like it's on top of the rack and you just don't see it. And yeah. That's normally where mine is. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, let's put it away, April. So and then I'm yelling, who moved the hook? And yeah, it was. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I did. Dumb. I bought a, <laughs> my parents are moving and they had a magnetic like kitchen knife uh, thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I zip tied that to one of the metal racks in my room. And that's where my feeding tongs go and my scissors. I just stick them on there so I can always find them. They're stuck to the magnet. Smart. I got some of those that in the garage. Smart. I'll to maybe bring they, one to the snake room. They come in super handy for throwing your tongs on there and just you feed everything and then toss your tongs back up on it instead of like setting your tongs down on top of a rack or on a table or wherever. I have about 40 screwdrivers on one that I never use. So. <laughs> oh, so yes. Lone Star. No. Yeah, Lone Star Reptile Racks. I was yeah. like, I can't want to say Texas in there somewhere. Like, no, Texas is not going there. It's Lone Star Reptile Racks. Um, you are busy. If if you go to a show and you tell him you heard him on the podcast or you heard us talk about him, he'll give you zero percent off. So enjoy right. that. Enjoy your zero percent <laughs> off coupon. From I, I will give you a rack for the show price. There you go. There you go. See, look, <laughs> show price. So that's awesome. We appreciate it, April. Tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. You can find me at Designer Exotics on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, or designerexotics.net because I'm not cool enough for a dot com. Dot com. <laughs> and then, uh, and you can, she's going to have a really, really mean little python for sale. If anybody wants a super mean python, she's got one once it eats and sheds in about a year and a half. <laughs> It takes about three months, really, for them to, to be good to go. It's insane. Because your snakes are, like, born the same time as my snakes, and mine are already shedding. Yeah, and mine, mine still have, like, a fat belly from uh, absorbing all their egg yolk. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, it's Simply Serpents on Facebook or Simply Underscore Serpents on Instagram. Uh, I do have Kenyan Sambo. I need to, like, just sit down and take pictures of this Kenyan Sambo as I have. Um I need to get some Sambo sold so I can one pay for my new rack that I'm getting yep. and uh, already have the parts cut out for it and buy a thermostat <laughs> for the new rack that I'm getting. So uh, 
that's it. If you want to get a hold of us again, it's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook. Again, each week we will post questions, and we want you to tell us what you saw that week, what you want us to talk about. If you have an idea for a question, let me know. I will share it. We'll ask people. I'm I'm all for that. Um, and then that that's it. We made it. Then awesome. It. Thanks for oh, joining us. Remember to go on on our Facebook and tell us your favorite moment for our podcast up to this point. And the winner of that will be our next guest. We're going to bring a, uh, a listener on. It'll be our next guest on the podcast. Super excited. So thank y'all for being here. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.